0: Hello and welcome back to Madget Radio, episode number fifteen. This week on the show, we will be giving you all the hot news and info from Drivel and Strife, our singles competition, which happened last week. Maybe my perception of time is flawed. <laughs> uh, I'm joined on the show by uh, the winner, spoiler, and King of the North. It's Tim Botnick. Hello, hello. And as always, there's the Maverick to my Goose. There's Paul.
1: What's going on, guys? Not to rain on anyone's parade, but it was
0: King Beyond the Wall, not King of the North. FYI. So it's not just time that my perception is uh, fucked up on. It's good to know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this week on the show, uh, we'll obviously be talking about uh, Strife, which was our singles competition, which we did a full breakdown of in our last episode. So first and foremost, congratulations to Tim. Tim Tim won Strife. Um, out of sixty battle points. Tim scored 57. So it was by quite some margin. Congratulations, Tim. Thank you. What, what happened <laughs> there, Tim, eh? What, <laughs> I what three points. those last yeah. three
2: points? What an intro. Look at that. I mean, I, I was slipping by the end of the day, I tell you.
0: It was that guy that he played last, away. Eh? He was a bit bit funny. You had to give him three well, points. Well, I, ha-
2: I had to keep him sweet. I thought, if I give him three points here, he'll still be smiling. Yeah, good call. Good <laughs> sure. call.
0: We'll be talking about our games uh, over the course of the tournament. So like our previous shows where we've uh, gone through tournaments, uh, we're just each going to take a turn and give you a brief recap of each of our three games. At the end, we'll come together. We'll talk about the tournament overall. We'll go through all the prize winners uh, and about any potential takeaways that we might have from this uh, tournament. Looking forward to things like ETC and uh, the winter tournaments, which are all starting to be organised just now. Speaking of which, we'll give you a very quick... Inside Scoop on uh, Siege, which is our team tournament, which will be happening in November. And we'll also uh, quickly run through the Midlands Singles event, which happened last weekend, which a couple of our guys, including Tim, were down at. So there's some news and gossip from that as well. So, without any more ado, let's just dive right in. And uh, let's begin with the king beyond the
2: wall. Nailed it. Tim! Okay. So I, I guess uh, i review my review my game one, talk you guys through what happened and why I got off to a, a lucky flying start. So I was playing Henrik with his dwarven holds. I believe we were playing Spools of War and uh, Dawn Assault on the table that I was placed on. I won't go necessarily through all of the list breakdown, but uh, needless to say, there were little blocks of dwarves and some slayers and... Some random other assortments of yeah. things, but not too much in the way of war machines. Myself was playing uh, the living wall, as I'm calling it, the, the Strigoyan vampire host, with ghoul block, uh, with vampire, gas blocks, with vampire, zombie, bunker, with necromancer in it, and a couple of bat swarms to make it feel like I've got enough chaff on the board, you know, flying about, doing some things. And um, basically, I very quickly worked out Henrik can't roll dice. <laughs> his dice roll for him so the game became make henrik roll as many dies as possible and take the average that was in my favor so uh pre-game vanguard he pushed the dwarves all up in my face then went first and marched them all up in my grill after i'd warned him pre-game that i'm here to practice for utc i'm going to take this quite cautiously i might sit in my corner and defend it and then declared four charges in turn one um <laughs> Games. completely in self-defense might i add completely in self-defense and set a tone for the rest of the event with a, a massively awesome counter-punching list that uh started to systematically break down and beat down each of his units in turn as he failed leadership tests and fear checks and rallying tests and charges and all the Every things that dice, dwarves, you know, should fail. Dispelling on, you know, I've cast a bounce spell on a four, throwing three dice at it, not stopping it. All of the, the <sighs> usual things Christ. that you'd expect to happen. So in the end, I just started, you know, letting it go, and I'll oh, charge bat swarms in, what happens? I win combat. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Bye, Deep Watch. So, yeah. Um, that's basically how game one went, is Henrik rolled dice, and they came up with zero on the pips, and so... Yeah, unfortunately his dice hated him and that tipped the balance massively in my favour. Uh finished off with maximum points, got every man on the on the board, cast I think four, maybe five spells in one magic phase. Um started declaring long charges, fighting in woods. I, I I think I completed about nine of the elements on the bingo board in this one game. Um, including the first row. So I was the first person in the room to to get the shall not kneel uh complete a row. And, uh, yes, yeah, just thanks, Henrik, for giving me the big push and <laughs> a big up the big push-up leaderboard. Like, it was fantastic.
1: Dude, when you started that and you said, you know, needed to get a good start, and what I did was, and then I literally thought you were going to say, played Henrik, because that's about <laughs> as ideal a start as you could aim for.
2: Oh, poor Henrik. I know, right? It's just, it's just how, how he does that with a smile on his face, I've got no idea,
1: but... Yeah, it's probably a good thing that's the case because he would have snapped by now and probably like just murdered a whole lot of people and come oh, yeah. around. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I okay. mean, I think next time I'm just gonna bring some dice for him because his dice in a oh. past life, those dice must have done something horrible, horrifying. So. We've tried this.
0: Um, the first time I played <laughs> Henrik, I didn't believe the stories, but they they were true. His dice are fucking horrendous, <laughs> uh, and I bought him new dice, new like really nice jazzy dice. Apparently it made no difference whatsoever. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think the affliction is him.
1: This is going to sound really silly, right? But how does he roll dice? Does he do it in a really weird way?
2: Badly would be the technique yeah, I yeah. use. <laughs> okay,
0: so, looking at the tournament, So obviously your first game, 20-0. Excellent. Yeah. You, can, you can't get a better start. Before you got kicked off for game one, were you thinking, right, this is an opportunity for me to do very well? Or, I know you were talking about, like, uh, practicing for DC. Were you thinking, I'm just going to Approach these games like an ETC kind of scenario? Yeah,
2: I guess uh the approach to the tournament was that this is the list I'm taking to the ETC. I'm still learning that list and learning the, the racial characteristics of playing VC. My approach to each game, as I kind of apologized to my opponent beforehand, was that I'm here to practice for what I'm going to be doing in the summer, so I might set up quite defensively and I might. Look like I'm not playing the game for a couple of turns while well, I'm just trying to survive. But, you know, if you make a mistake, I'm going to come out and play um, Looking at the list when I, when I got there and, and Henrik ran through what's what, obviously the Slayers and the Slayer characters are a bit of a, a threat. Some of the dwarf blocks, you know, fight like absolute tanks, so I was a little bit cautious. He ran through like the nine characters or something he had, and I was a little bit not impressed because they all wear armor, and I've got no way of really killing characters in armor that's safe. But then, yeah, the game started, and before my first turn, I had dwarves all of five or six inches in front of me, and I had a choice. Charge will be charged. And if I charge, I get combat buffs off. There was no shooting damage, so no need to spend all of my magic phase summoning my my army back, which is what it's built for, which meant I could go on the offensive. And that, combined with poor dice on, on Henrik's side, just allowed me to get a very aggressive grip on the game and just start strangling the life out of his list. At any point, it could have swung horribly, against if you know you lose a big combat with vc and it's you know and it's in your turn with no with no buffs up and then they get a second turn to capitalize you've gone so still playing as cautiously as i think i'm supposed to but everything was for offensive purposes whereas i was expecting to play it very defensively and play all of my games in a defensive style you know obviously you have to read we talked about in the previous episode you have to read the game and understand when you're the aggressor and when you need to do something different and uh in this game, it, it was quite apparent in my turn one, I needed to do something to create myself some space. So that's what I did.
0: And do you think Henrik did anything tactically wrong? And obviously his dice, massive swing, but just in the way that he, he approached that first turn.
2: Yeah, I think we talked about it after the game. If he'd have spread his line slightly wider, I think that would have given him more board control and it's not like i was getting anywhere or avoiding him but it would allow him better opportunities to flank me which is an absolute bono for my list so it gives me more problems to think about if i push out and one of his units he left slightly further behind the two units that wanted to be charged and i think he had a third unit that you know essentially they're still dwarves and it was a long charge so he was looking for me to charge out at that one get stuck and then he could flank me Whereas if he had pushed that unit up alongside the other two, if I come out, I'm coming out into three units of a wall, and then he gets, you know, immediate flanks if I go in the middle, or the middle unit flanks if I go on the side. Yeah. Um, so I think I wouldn't necessarily call it an error, but uh, by not having the three of them present a solid wall, it gave a gap, and I abused that gap in my turn one, which is what tilted the balance in my favour, and then after that he was chasing the game. So. So it just totally changed the temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, he he very quickly realized he was the aggressor and needed to get into combat as quickly as he could. Yeah. But then when he got there, I didn't need to, to do any you know healing. So all of my magic went on buffs. And I think it might have been the first turn of the game where I got four spells off or something. And it was just, you know, if you're adding strength, rerolls to hit, rerolls to wound, um, and creating a new unit of chaff, you can pretty much do what you want in the fights that you're in. And that's just what happened, like unfortunately that first turn massively put me up and then i just got to keep my foot on the accelerator and make sure i don't give him a chance to get back in the game yeah and he was very nice about it all um as he realized what was happening over the next three turns good old henrik though eh? <laughs> <laughs> i'd love to play him again i know it sounds horrible but he's a really good guy to play against he's the best um, he is the best <laughs> i looked over at one stage and uh, uh, Henrik, how's
0: it going? And he was laughing and smiling as he took Slayers by the handful off the board. <laughs> <as I'm> <laughs> <underneath>. <laughs> what a man! <laughs> you're obviously off to a flying start, 20-0. Yep. So, Paul, explain to our, our viewers how you actually ended up playing, because obviously you were you were meant to be the stand-in, and some shenanigans yeah. happened, and oops, yeah, so accidentally you're playing. Oh, wild card! I know, right? I was slightly suspicious. I was like, this has been
1: orchestrated. Um, (laughs) Without my knowing. So Michael, who was bringing a CAV EOS list (laughs) that we spoke about in the last show, he unfortunately had to bail out. So I got out of work at like half seven and got a message and was like, shit, better read the lists. (laughs) Better find out what the fuck it is I'm actually supposed to be playing. So um, we didn't go through my list uh, on the last show, but it was pretty straightforward Big Block of Warriors, Chosen, Chosen Knights, Dogs for Chaff, Wizard kicking about on a disc, uh, some Wretched Ones, and Feldrick Elder. So that was pretty much the list. So I ended up playing Michael's intended opponent, which was Danny's Orcs and Goblins. And it was Marching Column and Capture the Flags for the Secondary. So I hadn't really read his list with any great depth. I did look through it the night before. And Orcs and Goblins is isn't an army that I always... It's an army I enjoy playing against because I like all the wacky shit in the book. But I think there's a lot of things in the book which give my army a bit of a headache, yeah, sure. which Danny had. So I kind of just approached the game as, right, I'm just going to have fun because I didn't even anticipate I was going to be playing in the first place. So this is a bonus, actually getting to play on the, on the day. I hadn't played Danny before. So again, it was just going to enjoy it and not think too much. So Danny's list, he basically had... A full goblin list. So you had three big blocks with bows. You had a big block with spears. You had a block of six trolls. had a gargantula. You had a get launcher, two bolt throwers. had a wrecking team, mad gets, in all the goblin blocks. And three or four, maybe five different goblin characters. A couple of cowboys and a couple of adepts. And then a general BSB kicking about in the units. So there was a lot of stuff on the board. You also had two giants. So there's a lot of stuff going on. He chose sides. I basically just decided to drop everything and push first turn, which is what I did. It was pretty swingy game. I mean, I would say it was fairly close for the first three turns. Basically, I just pushed up. His shooting did pretty good damage. I think his bolt throwers took four wounds off Elder. The get launcher took off two knights from the Chosen Knight unit. Everything was basically hitting. Just because everything's got good AP, that's basically my only protection. So stuff was getting taken off. My... Magic was pretty good, though. I managed to take out one of his giants uh, with Hellfire, which is pretty nice. And on on my right flank is where I had the chariots across from his giants. And I was basically just moving up and chaffing them so that he either had to declare long charges or back up himself, which he chose to do just because he had the range advantage, just mm-hmm. to give himself more time to shoot at me. On the left flank, he had his spider, which I had to pin with the Wretched Ones. I was kind of worried that that was going to just get around my flank and then come in behind me. So what I opted to do was just put the Wretched Ones into the front, which gave the chosen time to get around the flank and then charge it on the next turn. So Because the Wretched Ones are unbreakable, um, I knew it wasn't going to wipe them out in time. Yeah. So that basically won me the left flank. The Warriors failed to charge into the Goblins in the middle, which wasn't very good because that meant the Trolls got onto the flank of the Warrior Block, which was pretty bad but he only killed i think he actually only killed like five warriors i did break but he didn't catch me so didn't get the points in the end which was good uh, so a bit lucky there my wizard took uh, a miscast turn three i think on triple sixes so I did two wins to myself and then on his round he proceeded to put every bit of shooting he could into the wizard and finally took off the last wound. I think it literally took the last unit of goblins to finish him off. Oh, that's just insult injury. I know it was. I was just like, for fuck's sake. It was just like, because he's got a hard target and with range and everything, he was, he was you know, looking for sixes and then I had a four-up ward. So it literally took like 90 goblin bull shots and everything <laughs> else he had in the list to try and kill him. But he did get him in the end. So that was a bit of a swing getting the general. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, he had a bit of bad luck as well. The two Chosen Knights which survived got into the remaining giant, killed it, leaving one knight, which overran into the unit of goblins. One of his characters had fled from a charge, never rallied, and just flew off the board, which was nice. So it ended up being a really close game. I think it was... So it was captured the Flags. Neither of us actually won the objective, so it ended up being a 12-8 to Danny. so... I was pretty happy with that in the end. Like I said, there was a lot of things in the list which I kind of had to struggle with. So getting eight points out of it, I was
0: actually pretty pleased. Yeah, and it's still points. It's like we've talked about this before. Like As long as you can keep, just keep on harvesting those kind of scores, you just you do make the points back. Yeah, it's math, definitely. Slings.
1: And like I said, I mean, losing the wizard, I mean, if I hadn't miscast, he wasn't getting those points. Yeah. And, you know, the Warriors failing the charge. It wasn't a particularly long charge. It was like an 8, I think. It just failed it. You know, things like that. You know, if that had just gone my way, then that would have been a completely different game because the goblins weren't going to stand up to anything in combat. So, But it was fun. We had a good time. It was a good laugh. We didn't finish all six turns. I think we got five turns done. But, you know, it was good. Like I said, I was kind of happy getting those 8 points. I think, in hindsight, I could have made slightly different decisions, but okay. that wasn't going to be... I guarantee, I thought, just stick the wretched ones into the goblins, because they'll just wreck the goblins. They'll blitz through them with the amount of attacks, and the goblins don't have any good protection against the wretched ones. So it was really just the spider, and where he had the spider, that I felt I had to kind of make that sacrifice almost, because the spider getting into the back of the... Even the spider getting into the back of the Chosen, I don't particularly want, because that unit is designed to fight with that volume of attacks, which yeah. I'm not going to get if he's in the back of me. If I'm not winding them, I'm not wiping them out, before he can stomp me and stuff like that then that's not good so yeah. I think it was probably the safest option which I guess in a tournament is you know the, the thing to do but I guess deploying for first turn and you're, you're kind of sacrificing that to a degree where he can kind of counter deploy you a little yeah. bit more but it was a good game like I said it was fun he was getting some kind of crazy dice rolls I was getting some kind of crazy dice rolls as well so it was pretty balanced all
0: okay Danny's a good guy as well that a nice first game for you
1: yeah no definitely I was pleased it was um we had kind of set it up so everyone was getting to play, you know, someone new. But yeah, it's always it's always nice getting to play new players at tournaments.
0: Okay, cool. Tim, you got any questions for Paul?
2: Uh, I don't think so. I think the, the the plan of attack and and how it went down sounds sounds pretty good. Sounds quite sensible. I personally think a spider in the back of the chosen is acceptable. Cause I think the chosen are actually going to smash it up. I can well, appreciate in the back it is risky if he gets a big thunder stomp. So.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. I had positioned it so that when I charged the spider, I was in the spider's flank, so I was getting all 30 attacks. When I swung, yeah. I did, I didn't kill the spider, which is bananas. Ah, so, yeah. if he hadn't gotten into the back of me and I had a similar role, I could have lost that combat, yeah. which is 800 points, which would have been not good. So, yeah, I know, like, it's, I had thought about that, like, am I really worried? Um, I can just send the chosen into his front line, and then if he charges me in the, in the flank, then I'll deal with it. But it, I think, in the yeah. end, it was a better
2: trade. Yeah, no, yeah fair, fair. fair enough, that's cool. Yeah. As that I say, it's hard to know without like, watching the game and seeing what goes on, but uh, yeah. it sounds like we had a plan, we stuck to it, and it changed when we needed to, so can't ask for more.
0: Plus, your dice are probably only second to Henrik's for being shy. Yeah.
1: The, um, one thing I did kind of think about in the game, and I always have this dilemma when I run a vacation, is... Do I take the magical move? Because depending on the matchup, I want both reroll spells. And having the snipe is so good for baiting out dice that picking that fourth spell can be quite difficult. So for that game, I didn't take it. And I think I got to turn three or four. And I was like, I really wish I had that spell. And in both subsequent games, I always took it. I made a point of saying, right, I'm definitely taking it. I think after the tournament, I would say that will be always the case now. Yeah when I vacation, I'll always bring the magical move because it's just so good, too good not to take. Yeah, and I think certainly in an army that wants to get into combat, it's really good. And the random mover unit is really good, but you know, if the dice fuck you and you roll like a three, then having that ability to push it up to where it needs to be is like really good. So, yeah.
2: Ooh, are you allowed to magic move random movers?
1: Yeah, I would think so.
2: Worth double checking. I'm sure I heard somewhere or read somewhere that you're not allowed to fly move or magic move random movers, but in theory, I love it. Magic move spell for, for your list and, you know, declaring a long charge, failing it. All right, pull my unit yeah. back so that you don't get an easy charge or pushing it up into their face. Like, go on and deal with this. I love it. Magic move in every game. Yes, the snipe spell, as you say, is great for baiting dice, but if you're looking for rerolls, rerolls and the movement spell, then Hellfire some becomes your dice beta, or yeah. they have to stop one of the rerolls. Like, there are lots of things to do with Evo that are low casting value that your opponent can't afford for a Warriors player to get rerolls and rerolls. So they have to stop that as well. So you, you have a lot of options in, in your list.
1: Yeah, yeah. fortunately, I had the, the Heirloom. So I always had the, the Hereditary on the wizard, which made the oh, okay. that, that spell choice a little bit easier as well. But no, it's such a good lore. Like, everything's really useful. The only thing, well, I, I really don't take very often is the deals wounds to multiple characters in a single
0: unit. I prefer the one that does D3. Mm. It's good having um, the both of them for drawing dice,
2: because you're going to hit them.
0: Yeah,
1: it depends hour, but... on the list, because yeah, a lot no, of lists, you only ever have one character
2: in the unit. Yeah. so, it's not so that, that. That's quite interesting, then, because... I do the opposite. I take the pick one or pick three because it's easier to cast than the yeah. other one. So it's the two dice, draw out your dice, but it also, I can kill champions, which means yeah. I can throw characters in that can then deliver the kill, which is kind of what your characters do as well. Like you don't want a big beefy warriors guy beating up on a champion if they're BSB or wizards sat in a unit. So being yeah. able to pick out a champion is awesome say, you, you'll have practice playing with one, stick to what you're using, because you're obviously using it the right way, but it's interesting how we, we both use that law, but I, we, I would almost never take magic move, and almost never take the, the leadership D3, like I don't even consider them when I look at the spells to select, but then my list does slightly different things, so...
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. I think if... I mean, I wasn't really running any killy characters in my list, so sniping out champions wasn't always making yeah. sense, and like my wizard... He's there to cast spells. Like he's not going oh. anywhere near a combat. He's he's got the four up four up to deal with shooting protection. That's
0: he's not really gonna kill anything.
2: Cool. And Andrew, which corner did you sit in for the six turns?
0: Um I thought, <laughs> sat in the oh. bottom right corner.
2: <laughs> oh
0: yeah. very comfortable. Ten out of ten, wood corner again. <laughs> um I played against the lovely Guillermo, the Spanish slalogian. We played uh Frontline Clash and King of the Hill. And um yeah, so I think there's always like a, a bad side to knowing your draw because you like obsess about it, <laughs> or, or I do anyway. I was talking to Ed about this as well. Like, as soon as we found out the draw, like we we're reading all the list, but we were we were going through uh, the first round with a, like a fine tooth comb. And I'm pretty sure I've said on the podcast before, like you can over prepare for a first game. You should really just you know know what everything does, but then just leave it and I think I was probably borderline on that against, against Guillermo game 1. Just because uh, Guillermo was using swarm and he had a lot of anti-armour stuff, uh, he had two catapults, so there was there was potential for him to really cause me a lot of problems. But we got to the day Guillermo dropped very early uh, for first turn and I was just feeding them like little bits of shit to throw them off which corner I was going to go in. There was a 50-50 chance. <laughs> and uh, Guillermo went right in the middle. He deployed essentially symmetrically with his big unit uh, with the doombell in the middle, uh, a rat arms unit with meat grinders either side, the thunderhawks either side of them. So it was very symmetrical, which had the advantage of no matter where I went, he could just swing it around and move forward. But it also meant that basically an extra turn on him because he would have to move his battle line to come and get me. So I chose a corner where there wasn't as much terrain in the way, and I set up the the fun line. And... I sent the the chicken lord on the opposite flank, and Gamer went first. He moved up, and in my turn one, my chicken lord made a beeline towards a unit of Thunderhawks, uh, which he'd put out on one flank, and the, my battle line just opened fire. And the first couple of turns of shooting were pretty effective. They weren't amazing, but they, they were getting the job done. I was hitting these doombell with my rockets and cannons. I think across the the game, I got four wins through, but I think two for the cannon two for the rockets, and uh, Guillermo saved three out of four with the ward save, um, which was pretty good. I mean, it's the four-up ward save, it's the risk you take with these things. They're just, yeah. if if you, you roll it, up four-ups, there's none really you can do. But the one he, he did let through got max wounds, so he went from five to one wound, which was nice. <laughs> which was nice for the cannons. On the flank where the, the Chicken Lord went off, Guillermo had the NAFA floors and the, the Thunder hulks. And Guillermo set up, and he had this little grin on his face. He was like, I'm going to shoot you with my Napa 4. <laughs> I'm okay, Guillermo, shoot me. <laughs> and he shot me. He did a wound, and he was like, so that's uh, D3 wounds. And I was like, I have a 2-up Aegis save against Flaming. His face was a picture. <laughs> <laughs> so he did no wounds. The Chicken Lord went into the Rat Ogres, uh, sorry, the Thunderhawks, decimated them, overran in a unit Gisales, which were behind them, killed them, ran into... Around then and then got into one plague catapult, killed it, got into the other plague catapult, killed it, killed the other unit of Giselles and then was heading back into the middle in the last round of the game. It was just absolutely brutal. The the Chicken Lord took over a thousand points just by himself. Game was main battle line as it was moving forward. I was able to do quite a lot of damage between the small arms fire and pyromancy. So one unit right arms I just I wiped out. The other unit I kind of ignored, because once the, the first unit of right arms was out of the way, I started concentrating fire on the big block of Guard uh, because they were previously in a wood, so I was just choosing the easier target to focus down on. Um, and then they started coming forward, and then Guillermo basically had a choice at one stage, where he was quite far um, away from me, I chaffed him up, and he had to choose whether he was going to commit that Guard unit. I mean, he'd got to that point in the game, and um, the Chicken Lord was starting to wreck shit in the background, so he made the right decision, I think, and, you know, went all in. Um, he hit my chaff, killed it, overran, but he overran too far, and because of the angle I had the chaff, um, he'd overran and actually gave me a flank with the Imperial Guard. So his big brick unit got charged in the flank by my <laughs> super killy Imperial Guard unit, and I, I took it off in a turn. It was pretty brutal. And then my... My Imperial Guard block reformed, walked over to the wood, which was my objective because it was King of the Hill. I sat in that for the last turn, and the small arms fire just took a couple wounds uh, where I could. So on points, it finished um, 16-4 because I was having to throw a couple of my smaller units in the way just to slow down his, his battle line to chaff. But then I got the objective, so it was a 19-1. Wow, really good start. It was, yeah. I mean. Guillermo <laughs> is still quite new to the swarm so um, he made a couple of mistakes, like with the Natha thrower, um, and then also his plague catapults. He wasn't doing his um, his partial hits for them, and when he wasn't rolling them, I would just assumed because it's toxic attacks, I thought oh it might just it must just be a plague thing. And then it wasn't until at the end of the game I was like oh so your catapults didn't turn up because I think they didn't even score a hit all game. And I was like so why don't they get the partial? And he was like oh the partial, <laughs> oh Germo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there's a couple bits like that where i just not 100% used to the army yet, but I think from my point of view, I had the plan which was just to shoot him up and take the points of the chicken lord and that all worked out. And then because I got a bit lucky in that game, especially with the overrun, because that was the game setting match when that happened, um, I could really get that secondary right under my hand and yeah, and, and capitalise fully. So that was that was 19-1. I mean Guillermo was definitely unlucky at times throughout the game, uh, so I got away with a couple of things and like the overrun, and um, him firing the Natharsour and things like that, but um, from my perspective, it was pretty pretty ideal start.
1: Guillermo's list, I played Guillermo on the Sunday, like just before you guys shot off. When his shooting turns up, it's brutal. Yeah. But I guess against you, he just doesn't have the range.
0: Yeah, he was always going to struggle, and like when we were talking... Uh, before the tournament about that, because a couple of guys had played Guillermo and he'd been quite defensive and quite standoffish and relied on his shooting. That does not work against my because I just simply outrange him. He had to push up and then even when he pushed up, to be fair, his shooting wasn't particularly good. Like the NAFA throwers and the globe launchers, they weren't doing great damage. He rolled a lot of sixes for his volley gun fire, which he was at long range anyway, so that was making a, you know, quite a big difference, so. He just wasn't getting those little bits of luck that you need sometimes, especially after Chicken Lord managed to get in the backfield. And apart from the Gisales, he didn't really have any way to deal with the, the Chicken Lord. And because he'd gone uh, symmetrical deployment, um, I could put the Chicken Lord on one flank and it meant that he was only ever going to be in the open for one turn, really. So those five Gisales have got one turn to kill that guy and if they don't do it, he's in the backfield. So yep. it, was just a, it was unlucky for G. Ideal start for the Empire. It was, it was pretty good. So going into round two, I mean that first round there was quite a big, there was a few big scores, uh, quite surprisingly actually. So obviously Tim got 20, mm-hmm. Monroe <laughs> played against Tony and he got 20 against Tony, apparently yep. um, he managed to kill Tony's vampire characters and the whole army just disintegrated in front of him, so that was uh, well executed. That's just an example of vermin swarm shooting actually turning up. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Um, I think Monroe just managed to bog Same him down. Policy, hey. Yeah. The partial hit makes all the difference. <laughs> and then there was another big score. Oh, it was uh, uh, Matt Reed got, I think, 16 or 17 in his game. But I think the the game of round one was uh, Simon against Matt Wilson. The oh, game yeah. that we all wrote off as a massive win to uh, Matt. Simon pulled it out of the bag. To be fair, I did say I think it's going to be closer Yes, you did. Yeah, you did. But I didn't say he was going to win.
1: <laughs> I didn't say that. I did say it was going to be close, because was a pretty good player. So, to be honest, I don't know how many of our predictions we actually got right um, from round one, or yeah, any of the rounds. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. You should have maybe thought about that before we started.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's new to our viewers that we don't know what we're talking about, so...
1: No, no, that's, that's, that's fine. It's consistency.
0: That's the main thing. Consistency. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so there was... There was a lot of competition in, at the top there because there was a lot of big scores. So it was still all to play for and there, there was no signs that anyone really starting to get away with it. But then round two happened. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, uh, Tim, do you want to walk us through your second game? Sure, sure. So uh, I ended up playing uh, Munro's um, Fresh off of him arriving at the table, I asked him how round one went. I said, I, I, I just 20-some VC player. As I carefully dropped my first block of zombies on the table, I was like, <laughs> oh, just what I wanted to hear. So yeah. uh, he then started un- unloading the these models on the table. I thought, well, oh, that's a pretty big army. No, it's pretty awesome. And then he went off to get another 90 slaves. <laughs> and then he went off to get some war machines. I was like, oh, for God's sake, what's going on here? So we ran through our lists, and I tried to explain to him that I'm going to play quite cautiously. and sit in fancy of ETC practice all that bollocks. Main games, main um, games mind games and then uh we deployed and then i called a captain's timeout which he uh, kind of agreed to like yeah okay do what you want to do so then i walked around the table to andrew and i said look i'm sat, in it, sat semi in the corner he's in his corner what do we think and andrew said yeah sit in the corner he'll come to you so i pushed out and, uh, <laughs> smart player don't listen to andrew <laughs> the respect yeah, yeah.
1: that you guys have for one another is amazing <laughs>
2: Uh yeah so I pushed out and uh and realized quite quickly that with the amount of shooting he's got there are lots of things in his list that if they if they land and they hit particularly the flaming napper throwers I'm in some trouble but it was more the volume of shots I was worried about so it's was like okay well I'll push out be semi aggressive we're playing banners after all I've got to you know I've got to get to one of his weaker units basically I wanted to bait the vermin demon into a combat that I want without him realizing it And I wanted to bait the Nappa throwers into combat where they can't shoot me. But I also wanted to stop his slingers from running around the side of my list and getting into me. So he deployed some units. I deployed some units. I think he deployed because he wanted to go first and get the first round of shooting in. So I was like, okay. I I deployed almost opposite him with my bulk of my army together as it's supposed to, buffing itself. And then I pushed up to give him respectable but one over average charges. So if it was a if it was an infantry unit without swift stride averaging seven, I gave him an eight. And if it was a a swift stride model or a big guy, then I gave him, you know, one over average. And the design of this was that I'm close enough that if he backs off, I can back off there's a huge gap between us again. If he charges me, great, I'm in combat. If he does nothing, I've got respectable charges out at him as well. And it kind of gives me the option then. If if his first or second round of combat of of shooting misses and fluffs, then I'm in a great position to be aggressive. If it was an effective round, then I can back up and be defensive. So I kind of gave myself the option. Thankfully, the ploy worked, and um, Munro declared some charges, which were just what I was looking for. I think he declared like four charges and two of them connected. And thankfully, one of the ones that I wanted come off. So the big vermin demon into the ghoul star, with Vampire Lord that gives them poison on a five, I was quite happy with, with how that was looking. And then I had a failed charge from one of the, the napper throwing Vermin Hulks, so that was one shooting attack I wasn't going to have to suffer. Um, and I think one of the other charges he had were some of his footpad units getting into my bat swarms, which uh, was a matchup I was looking for because I didn't want to get shot at with slings, but I don't think Monroe appreciated just how awkward those bat swarms are to yeah. kill particularly against a unit that I'm going to swap the offensive and defensive stats almost with the, the negative penalties I give him. I have almost as many attacks as he has and he's hitting me on like five. So that was a, a real big one that he kind of got in, fluffed with some attacks and then my bats on started beating down these footpad units. And uh, yeah, he, he, I think he pushed one into combat. The other one failed to charge uh, as well or something. So I charged him on like an easy charge in the following round and my bat swarms just beat through these two little units. I was like, oh, perfect. That's all I needed to do in the game. But then, you know, it created opportunities. They could then run freely at the Gisales, who had bigger targets to worry about. And so I could bully that flank of the board. And then in the middle, the Vermin Demon swung some attacks, did some stuff. I think he ate a ghoul champion in the end in the first round of combat. And then uh, in my round of combat, the ghouls ate the Vermin Demon which is pretty big swing in that game, because all of a sudden the leadership bubble for yeah. the Vermin Swarm goes, the protection to the rest of the army goes. Because it was my turn, I declared all of my other charges against the ones he failed, and I think that turn I took the Demon off, the Vermin Hulk unit, the, all the footpads died that turn, I think I broke another weapons team, I magicked something off as well, and then I connected on an overrun into the other Vermin unit, the, the Vermin Hulk, so couldn't have had a better like second turn Hmm. and again I think I think by turn four turn five this one was finished all the slaves had died or run away and died the war machines had died because I think I got swarms and vampires up into their face just being able to go through the middle of his list because essentially the the vermin hulks and the the demon were the middle of his list and once they were gone there was nothing for him to to slow me down as Hmm. I just kind of marched across the board so um you know, took, took a risk to give myself an option, managed to convince him to be aggressive and throw charges in, which could have been the right thing to do, just probably not the demon into the ghouls. And then, uh, yeah, then just turn, turn the, turn the crank, put the pressure on, didn't ease up at all. And, uh, you know, started doing all the things I needed to complete the bingo board. So I was charging into woods i was charging off hills declaring long-range charges with the bat swarms of return into gizales or something like i was just looking to complete the board and i think by the end of this game unfortunately i'd 20ed uh, monroe um i think i lost a unit of bats in the process so that's two games and i've lost a bat swarm in each game Fucking um man. i mean it, it was horrendous i think mean, this game i ended with more models than i started because of what i raised Fuck. <laughs> think
1: Dude, you know it's going really badly when your opponent stops worrying about the game and starts playing bingo. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: um, fuck! So, so, yeah, I mean, I felt for him because the, I mean, the dice didn't necessarily like let him down with anything, but they weren't kind either. It's just that when he fluffed, I got a little bit hot, and then that tipped the balance, and it was too much of a swing for him to turn it back. Yeah. And I think he he had the banner of "Thou shall not fly," and oh, yeah. forgot. Activate it the turn that all my bat swarms charged into their second oh, combat, and then it beautiful. went to the combat phase. Like, oh, the banner! So I was like, oh, yeah, I, I forgot about your banner as well. Like, I was just basically standing in front of his army with these swarms, like, you know, could easily have just been reduced to movement one, no marching. I was like, oh, it's trouble. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, another, another very, everything went to plan, everything went the way I wanted it to go, you know, the combats went the way they should have, that I was looking for them to do. I don't think I made any particular mistakes. Um, I just capitalized on errors when I found them and I capitalized when I had the advantage. Yeah. Yeah, just mercilessly crushed the game, which was awesome. Crucial yeah awesome though 20 points can't yeah. complain again he, he sat across the table for me happy and smiling and you know i think his brother came over as well because he'd finished his games like, oh how's it going and it's like well this bsb's still alive the corner. <laughs> i can't get to him There's everything else but yeah re- really nice no you know being upset throwing toys out anything like that he's like really sound all the way through and then after the game we talked it through and I tried to explain to him what I would have done in the other situation, which I should probably stop doing because the next time I come up, you guys are going to me to hate um, nah, so
1: I didn't, don't worry about it.
2: <laughs> so uh, yeah, like I talked through like this is what would give me the massive problem and, and why you should be winning this game and how. And uh, I think he was he was open to to kind of looking at that. Like I wasn't trying to tell him how to play the game, but I was trying to show him a different way t- for this matchup that perhaps is a bit weird unless you've done it before. But it's a way that it gives me far more nightmares than uh, than, is, than is fair, and that just massively changes the game and lets him dominate the board. Whereas yeah. I got the big combat I wanted against the Movement Eight, super fast giant monster that you know had no business standing in front of the ghoul block, and I managed to get that combat, which is the biggest thing I could hope for in that game. So yeah, I was I was very happy.
1: But was quite aggressive with that Vermin Demon I've noticed. Yeah, does that a lot pushes that guy out.
2: I mean, it's got a massive attack, it's got loads of armor, it's got big stat line, it's got Thunderstorm. You know, it's leads from the front in an army that leads from the back. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, that unit plays very different to the rest of his list. But if he does what it's designed to do, the whole army is, is a glass cannon then, because whereas it needs to be with the battle line holding it together. Um. So I think, you know, you're almost better off hiring a warlord to be the general, giving him the shield, standing him in a unit somewhere, and then having the demon running about free, which is what I did with my list. I had my vampire lord in the the ghoul block, and I had a necro general behind it. He's never going to share the leadership because I don't have to worry, but at least he stood behind all of my big scary blocks and get to him, which means the vampire lord can do silly things like challenging slayers that charged and challenging vermin demons and, you know, the things that it shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Yeah,
0: there's a couple of ATC lists that have got the vermin demon in it but it's not the general. It's just like your little shitty guys that stand at the back. It means that your your vermin demon can be a lot more flexible. Okay, another 20 points so you're firmly at the top of the leaderboard. Paul, how did your game 2 go?
1: Game 2 I was playing against Brian. Brian had Matt's KOE army so it looked lovely on the table. Brian's a pretty new player. I think he's maybe only you know a handful of games before coming along to the tournament. So I would obviously read everyone's list, and I knew that he had the the night bus, the knights of the realm that do all the impact hits, and you know they're quite fast. So I thought, right, you know, I've really got to chaff him, got to make sure that I get the charges off I want. Can't let him have him charge me. So I basically did what I did game one, dropped everything first turn, pushed up, chaffed the knights up marched everything else up to get within charges, so either he was going to charge, overrun, give me a flank to charge, or he was going to stay where he was and I was going to charge him. So it was basically putting them in a lose-lose situation. He charged the dogs, which I, is what I wanted him to do. He didn't overrun, which was probably the safest option, considering that if he did, he was getting charged in the flank, as opposed to getting charged in the front. My magic was pretty good in the first couple of turns, so I managed to take two wounds off his BSB. His BSB was mounted in one of his units of Grail Knights, um, which I had put put foot-chosen into. So basically, turn two, when I charged them, they killed the BSB. And then the rest of the unit wailed into the Knights and I think got them down to two Knights, which they then broke and fled. Didn't get the points straight away, but I think I got them in turn four or so. The Felgic Elder charged a unit of uh, Knights Aspirant and was in combat for, like, four turns or something. He just kept rolling five-ups, because he had the five-up, <laughs> five-up on them. So that was pretty infuriating. But really, like, if you kind of looking at the board, my left side, basically, I took that in the first few turns of the game. On my right side, I had both chariots, the warrior block, and a unit of dogs, and I just held them back in my deployment. Because we were playing secure target, I had put my token in the woods, so that if he wanted to come and claim it with the knights, he'd be in the woods and I didn't want to commit the chaff too early. Really, that was theirs contingency. If he was going to play aggressive with the knights, I would have something uh, mm-hmm. to basically get in their way. I think it was funny playing against Brian because he's less experienced than we are. I totally had this out-of-body kind of experience where I was looking at the table like, this is what it's like when people play me. <laughs> <laughs> like, Just because he had, this, he had these two big really killing knight units, and he, had, and he just wasn't playing aggressive with them. His general was on a hippogriff, and I thought, he's got this really mobile Kelly character, that could be a problem, I'll need to watch what he does with him. And he basically just sat in his own deployment until turn six. and didn't move him. So that basically allowed me to win half the board. And then when he did finally move up the knights to kind of contest the objective, I had stuff coming around behind him and in his flank by that point, with still having the chariots and the warriors in front of him. So he basically had to decide whether to charge leaving him long charges as well. It wasn't going to be easy, and he was going to be charging through woods, etc. So he basically just played too conservatively, and it basically allowed me to put my units in such a place where either he was going to have to declare really long charges, probably fail, and then get countercharged, or he just wasn't going to get points, and that's basically what happened. The only points he got, really, came turn six. The Felgic Elder got into a unit of Grail's did enough damage to win combat. They broke, fled, and then I overran into the knight of the realm bus, which he then charged in the flank with his lord. And I said to him, "Like I've got rerolls to wind up on that character, on that guy. You fly, and I have hatred against fly, so I'm going to be rerolling, rerolling to hit, rerolling to wind. Do you want to do that?" And he was like, "Yeah, it's last turn. I've I've lost the game," which was probably totally the right thing to do. And I. Got him down to one wound, so very nearly killed his general, turn six. But in the end, it proved to be the right thing to do. He broke the Elder and chased him down. So he got about oh, right. 500 okay. points, yeah. turn six. Decent. Beyond that, he killed the two units of dogs and three wretched ones. Yeah. And like I say, it was really just a mixture of inexperience and not really knowing the strength of his army. I've played Ed's KOE in 2.0, and just having the ability to hit really hard being able to set yourself up with a long charge and it be totally doable between having the extra banners and having movement eight nights that hit like a truck. I was really surprised. I kept expecting him to do things. I thought, right, he's going to do that, so I'll need to try and think about what to do. And then it didn't happen. So I was like, okay, I'll just charge that unit. He was like, right, okay. I was like, okay? Like, thinking, there's something I've not seen. (laughs) (laughs) He's totally going to, like, pull out some crazy move and then he's going to like oh, something bad's going to happen but it felt really weird not having dead things in a dead pile I'm used to use, <laughs> losing way more units it was totally a strange experience so in the end we no one won the secondary I basically took one half of the table because I only had the warriors on the other side he could contest it with the night boss that he had left so no one won the secondary but it ended up being a 16-4 to me so lucky for me I think in the sense that I was playing a, a fairly new player, but to be fair to myself, I was really happy with the decisions that I made. It wasn't like the last game where I kind of thought maybe I should have played it different. I think all the decisions I made were the right thing to do, and the fact that it worked just made it so much more satisfying than most games <laughs> turn out. So that
0: was nice. <laughs> so if Brian, but it was played... a really nice
1: guy. He was a really nice guy. I had a really, it was a good game, and we were talking about things like. Okay. Uh, spells to
0: cast and, and different things so if he plays more aggressively is that a different game
1: it's interesting because it's not a very big army he's got he's no. only got two he's got two units of grails he's got the big knights of the realm bus he's got two knight aspirant units and then three units of yeoman and then the only other thing he's got is the general so I think as long as I charge him I should win because things like the chosen they just have too many attacks and even the fact that he's like you know three guys wide I'm still getting out every attack with that unit and it's you know AP3 okay he's still got the the ages save but I think as long as I'm doing the attacking and I'm getting spells off I think I win that it just felt like he didn't know the army very well yeah. like it, you know he was moving the yeoman round and been like using these um throwing weapons and I think he was maybe expecting them to do more than what they were likely to do okay and I think it really just came down to inexperience and I think if he had realised he maybe would have taken first turn and then pushed up and then made it hard for me because he's got the speed advantage. Yeah. And um, he can be giving himself long charges and then that makes it harder for me in terms of movement and being able to basically get the charges off that I want. So it really just came down to experience at the end of it. Um yeah. it was funny I was speaking to Matt afterwards he was like, Oh so I heard you totally like wrecked a noob or something like that and it made <laughs> me feel really bad. And I was like, dude I wasn't even like thinking about it in those terms when I was playing that game. <laughs> <laughs> Liar! <Okay>. Like I, <laughs> I was trying too. to win. <laughs> I mean,
0: um, to be fair, when I, I I spoke to Brian briefly on the the Friday before, and he was saying that he was just kind of because he is he is very new, and the best thing you can do as a new player is come to a tournament because it's like you just you learn so much, no matter the results of your games. I think, um, and he was saying that he was going essentially to see what armies he liked and what you know armies he played against and if he liked them. Because obviously that was um, Matt's koe that he was using, and he's obviously yeah. he's, he's thinking about which army he wants to get in. So I think you know, experience is like the only thing that you you have to obviously play games to get. You don't just automatically start with that. So even that experience there, him playing against you and maybe thinking, oh, maybe I need to play a bit more aggressively. That's it's the only way you learn. And hopefully he's he's gone home with a lot of you know army thoughts in his head, like oh, so yeah, empire. Th- cool guys play empire. That might be. Okay. <laughs>
1: He did say that at the end. I said to him, oh, so, like, you know, K.O.E., is this the army that you're thinking of sticking with? And he was like, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, right, okay. And I guess it was really just out of convenience because that was the other army that Matt had. Yeah. So, But no, he was a really nice guy to play against. And he did seem really keen as well, which is really exciting. So hopefully awesome, he yeah. does find the army that he's, you know, he's going to really going to enjoy playing. So it'll be good to get him back, you know, if they come up to Siege. To see if by then if he's picked up something that he's thinking about running I want to say he said that he was interested in Warriors so if, you bring, okay. if he brings back a Warriors that would be fun oh cool you can table me when he comes back <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome so that finished
1: 16-4 yeah so sitting on 24 points
2: after game 2 nice one quick question Paul obviously playing that game obviously it, it shoes on the other foot i think you said it yourself it's it's that's what people do to you or that's what you do to other people with the the big threats range that want to get in there and fight do you think you you personally learn anything about how you play your list or how you you show aggression with your list seeing it from across the table and and you know trying to work out what exactly he's going to do how he's going to do it whether he does it or not what that means whether you build a plan or just accept it all of those kind of questions do you think Having that real combating whoever charges wins matchup against someone who outranges you teaches you how to do that to people when you outrange them. I think
1: that wasn't something that I specifically thought about after that game. Although going into the tournament, because I knew that I wasn't going in originally thinking that I was going to play. So I knew that it, you know every game I get today is a bonus and I'm just going to have okay. fun. I made a conscious effort to play more aggressively. I thought, I'm literally just going to push up turn one every game, and I'm going to make sure I get into combat sooner than I would normally do, and if that means yeah. I have to accept a matchup that I wouldn't want, then I'm just going to accept that, and I'll try and deal yeah. with it in whatever way I can. So if that means, right, I don't want to fight that unit, so I'll, I'll stick the wretched ones into it, because they're unbreakable, and I'll just okay. make sure I've got something nearby that I can charge in turn two, and you know, just make sure it's like something that h- hits like a truck, so stick the chosen in, or something like that. Um, yeah. And then it doesn't matter because you're not going to get the points for the wretched ones. I don't care if you get them down to one guy; that's still a really good, effective unit, and I probably yeah. claim back more points by that point anyway. So, yeah, I mean, it's something I'm cautious of. I think playing war games is interesting for me. Losing any unit or any model was always like bad. Like I didn't want it, I didn't want stuff to die, and I think the more experience you get, you have to appreciate that that's inevitable. But the skill comes in knowing what needs to die, and what you can sacrifice, and what losses are acceptable. I don't think that's something that is particularly intuitive when you start playing this game. So I think, yeah, I think having a, a well-crafted point. list and knowing outright that, that can die, as long as it dies when I need it to die, and it sets up the next turn for what I need to do, that's fine. Yeah. Um, like i say it wasn't something that i specifically was thinking about after that game but just from the previous conversations that we've had on the podcast and in the club and things about play style it was more so just right i'm just going to push and i'm just going to get into combat because that's where i need to be i'll deal with things as i'm as and when i'm in there and i'll make my like it was kind of similar to what you were saying about when you were playing henrik like i'll make my opponent roll dice because giving them more decisions to make so the more decisions that they have to make the more likely they fuck up yeah So I think just being too standoffish and giving them too much space, I think that was something that I was too preoccupied before because I was too worried about trying to get everything right. Playing more aggressively obviously complements the army and knowing that you know if things die, it's fine. It's not the end of the world because I'll be in combat, I'll probably get points back as well. So it's being able to understand how to mitigate your losses and what losses are acceptable, I think. So that was the biggest thing for me, reflecting back on the tournament
0: afterwards. Cool. Very interesting.
1: So what about your game two, Andrew?
0: So can my game two was the rematch to end all rematches. It was me <laughs> versus Matt Reed. If you can cast your minds back to strife last year, I got cucked by Matt. <laughs> he cucked me real good. <laughs> his uh, Strigoi vampire punked by Night Commander Sonstall guy after he failed all four to hits. Um, <clears throat> so this was it. This was revenge time. Matt was bringing his insanely well-painted... Vampire army. It's all ghoul themed. Uh, so he's got a big block of ghouls. He's got uh, blocks of ghasts. He's got two screaming horrors. Uh, shrieking horrors, rather. got a couple vanguard and ghoul units for excellent scoring. Excellent scoring. Highly approve. And he's got like a, a unit uh, uh, of ooze. So, going into this match, the kind of list that Matt was running is kind of like the ideal list that I should be looking at in terms of my list, also like the ETC. Thinking, right, I can go up against that list and take some serious points. Because stuff like the Shuken Horrors, they should be cannon fodder. As gas units, although they're more resilient than most um, monstrous infantry in terms of, you can regrow them. They've got the regen. Things like the Rockets and even the Small Arms Fire should be putting a dent in them. And Pyro and the Small Arms Fire should start to wear down that big ghoul block. So I was looking at the matchup thinking this is you know a good opportunity to harvest some points here. And the deployment was Dawn Assault. And the objective was Spoils of War. So Donosal is good for me because it essentially pins my opponent into a corner that isn't my corner. So it sets up my line pretty well. But Spoils of War is the worst scenario for me. Because obviously for Spoils you really want mobile scoring to go up and get those objectives early. Or at least be able to push for those objectives mid to late game which my list just isn't good at doing because of the nature of what it is. So I considered pretty early on that I probably wasn't going to to get the secondary unless I got lucky. So it was all about maximising how many points I could actually take off. So I dropped pretty early for first turn because there wasn't too much line of sight blocking terrain. There was a big forest in the middle because someone who designed all these fucking map packs decided, you know, forest in the middle is the thing to do. (laughs) So there wasn't too much line of sight blocking stuff, though, so the Shrieking Horrors didn't really have much cover. And the first couple of turns, I was very disciplined, stuck to the plan. I killed both Shrieking Horrors quite quickly with the cannons. The the cannons were on fire. To be fair, they both went down pretty quick. My wizard was threatening his ghoul block with um, pyromancy stuff. I was chipping off wounds here and there on the gas. He got into the objective with um sorry, on the, the far away side, he'd sent a unit of ghouls to go get that objective. I'd sent a unit of handgunners out there to try to throw them off in deployment. And the handgunners actually killed the dogs, so they got their points back essentially, so that's okay. But I was never realistically going to be able to get that objective, so that was fine though, that was just part of the gamble. Um, and the central objective, his um, vampire unit with bestial bulk in the gas got that. And then on the other side, he sent up his um, other ghoul unit. So I'd set the chicken lord up. On that side, and I was thinking like he's got no way to deal with the chicken lord essentially, because he's got shamanism on his vampires, uh so he's got no range threat apart from swarm insects, so I moved up aggressively with the um with the chicken lord, he had a unit of vampire spawn, which he he put out but so he charged me with the vampire spawn um I minced the vampire spawn, <laughs> and that essentially meant that the chicken lord was free to get into the back, which is the ideal place where he wants. So at this stage of the game, the Horrors are dead, I've got this avenue for the Chicken Lord. Um, he's kind of stuck now because uh Chicken Lord can get in behind him, start threatening that, that ghoul block. If I get in with Imperial Guard as well, that's really going to hurt him. He can just go about killing gas if he wants because he's, he's strong enough to go and do that. Um, and he's still quite far away from my line, so he's still got another turn or two of Wither and Fire that he's got to march through. So essentially complete control. I'm very happy this is exactly what the plan is. And then I cuck myself so badly (laughs) because I'm a fucking idiot. And I declare a charge with the Chicken Lord into the 10-man ghoul unit. Because I'm thinking in my head, I'll kill them easily, I'll burst through, and that's just extra points for Chicken Lord. However, I forgot to double check, and that ghoul unit had a champion in it. So I charge him with the Chicken Lord, he challenges me, because Matt's a good player. <laughs> <laughs> I accept. I killed the shit out of that ghoul, lord, uh, ghoul champion. I crumble him, but because he'd suffered some small arms fire with them before, and he survived with one ghoul, fuck. and I was stuck. And he could see the corner of my base with his big fuck-off ghoul block. So they just swung around and went into the flank of the chicken lord. I was insanely annoyed at myself for making such a stupid mistake. Because I was under no pressure to make that charge. I could have just flown over them and just threatened, which was what I should have done. Uh, I should have actually, you know, fucking read the army list, which was in front of me, where I circled (laughs) champion on the unit. (laughs) Um, But that was such a fucking stupid rookie mistake. But I'd done it, so I accepted that the Chicken Lord was now essentially dead. Um, Surprisingly, the Chicken Lord actually managed to hold out for, I think, a turn and a bit, because he was in line formation, so he wasn't getting as much static and I was just challenging, and the, the chicken lord's pretty resilient. So that wasn't good, and his, his other, he had full control of this, the, the objectives, and everything else was just sitting off a wee bit. But because the ghoul block was now stuck for a turn on the chicken lord, I thought, right, if I get my imperial guard up there, I reckon my imperial guard kill those ghouls, and that's, that's massive points, and that totally seals the game for me, and it's just about mopping up after then. So I moved the imperial guard out round to threaten the ghoul block, and then it goes back to Matt, kills Chicken Lord in his turn of combat, which is fine. And in his magic, he says, right, I'm going to cast swarm of insects on your rocket battery there, because he's uh, the, the big ghast guy, the vampire ghast, so he can he's large, he can see me. In my head, I'm thinking, I need to stop that, because that mm-hmm. might cause a panic check. Andrew actually says, yeah, sure, you can have that, <laughs> for some <laughs> fucking reason. <laughs> um, and after I said, yeah, you can have that, I thought, that's a fucking stupid idea, why did I do that? And uh, he rolled, like, 18 for the, the Swarm Insects, so yeah. I'm thinking, right, on average he does, like, four wounds here. It's on full health, he should be fine. He does all five wounds, he kills the War Machine, uh, which then sparks panic checks. I then lose two units of Light Infantry who flee off the board, and two of my War Machines panic can't fire. So, in the space of one spell, he's made this game very tight again, because he's just got all those points. And now the Imperial Guard need to get into something and kill it to get points back. Um, So it goes back to me. I move the Imperial Guard up. So everything's chargeable now. And then his turn, he chaffs me with bats. I can't Mm -hmm. move. I have to use my magic phase getting rid of those bats. The ghoul block is just moving out the way. He's got the objective now, so he's just moving further back. So I kind of decide that the the ghoul block is just... I've not got enough time to get to them. So I swift reform and start moving towards his um, general's unit, the ghasts. So I should be able to kill them. Um, I move up, and Matt's turn. He moves back a little bit. So this is my turn five. I've got an eight on the dice charge. It's eight or a nine di- on the dice charge, and the, uh, the gas unit with the vampire in it. If I kill that unit, I win the game, or I get—I'm sorry—I'm sub- significantly up on points because of the the unit and the vampire. So I've got a decision to make: do I make the charge now, or do I march up and make sure I get the charge turn six? Which is the sensible play, by the way. Andrew's not <laughs> feeling sensible in this game, as you may have t- been able to tell. And I I roll for the charge and I fail. So I stumble forward. Um, His turn six, he just backs everything off. He moves his uh, vampire unit a little bit further back. I've now got an 11 on the dice charge. I have to go for its turn six and I fail. So the Imperial Guard unit, for that really risky manoeuvre of breaking the castle and going after points, get like 90 points for the, the giant bats. That's all they got. So that is not good whatsoever, and that's how the game finishes. So it finished ten ten on points, but he obviously had the objective, so it was a thirteen seven to Matt. There wasn't any like dice spikes. I mean, him rolling swarm insects and me failing the panic it roughly equates to my cannons being shit hot and killing the shrieking horrors. I think whenever you get a game like that where it's obvious that a couple of players have got like a little bit of luck, you know, it feels quite balanced. Like I'm a hundred percent, you know, fine with that. I was just really annoyed at myself because I made two big mistakes in that game. Pretty. Like rookie mistakes Um, and they ended up costing me pretty bad because I was in a really strong position in the first half of that game. There was no reason why I had Mm to be greedy and try and get points but it was just that. It was Andrew being fucking greedy again and thinking I can get a lot more points here when I should have just been able to dictate play a little bit more and gone for the small win um, even with him taking the objective. So it was just a bit frustrating on my own part just because I knew that I'd fucked up but um, it was a really, you know, Matt's super guy. It was a really fun game, and I'll just need to make sure I beat him at the rematch re- re- next year. <laughs>
1: this is going to be a running thing. Right? Oh,
0: fuck. It's like me versus Tim It's like destined for failure. <laughs> <laughs> Swarm of
1: insects is such a good spell.
0: It is, yeah. And normally, 5d6. Yeah, 5d6, strength 1. Yeah. Um, good. But normally I can mitigate that <laughs> because my war machines can sit behind my line. But because he yeah. was he was tall, or sorry, he was large,
2: you could see them. That spawn might be my favourite spell to cast because almost everybody just goes, Oh yeah, have it. It's never got a bad target. It's either killing chaff, winning. It's going after a monster, which is winning. It's doing something ridiculous like hunting down an iron demon from the infernal list. Or it's killing up war machines. Yep. And then you've got the secondary effect of whole oh, by the way, you've now got a to move to, to not be able to, you know, crap at shooting. Like it just has no downside and so many players are like Yeah, you can have that, I'm gonna stop the totem or Yeah you can have that, I'm gonna stop something else. It's like awesome, this is my favourite spell to cast, away yeah. we go. I mean never the, underestimate.
0: It was just so stupid on my behalf because like no other spell was a threat. Like my shooting had done its job, so if he cast and hell, it doesn't matter. His ghoul block was still too far away, it wasn't a combat threat, so if he buffs them, it doesn't matter. That was the one spell that was a threat to me. And I let it through because I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> like it's just ah, oh, it's just annoying that I just didn't <laughs> think that through, or I did think it through, but my brain and my mouth weren't connected at that time. There was something going on. Uh, so yeah, that was that's just um, the way it goes. Well, lessons were learned. So all uh, all good. Yeah, man, it was a good game. So that was sixteen uh, four to Matt. So uh, third round, Tim, you're on forty. Solid. I am. So. Essentially, if you don't fuck things up royally, third game, you've won. <laughs> um, yep. So it's now really a battle for second and third. Matt Reed is now uh, looking for second along with Ed because Ed got like a 16 first game and he got, I think, a 15 second game, something like that. So he's up there looking for second or third or even if he can topple you, he's thinking first. Um, so it's all still pretty tight apart from Tim starting to get away with it a wee bit. And then we go into our third round matchup. So, uh, Tim, who are you playing third game?
2: So I ended up drawing uh, Ed in the third game with his Orcs uh, and Goblins. We worked out quickly the math without, you know, properly looking it up, and you know I could essentially concede a thirteen-seven loss and win the tournament. Ed was thinking he wins that game. I'm thinking Ed should win that game. It's just whether or not he wins it bigger than three points. Uh, I think at four points it's close. It comes down to VP scored, and I've tabled two players so. He has to score big To get that, to get a 16-4 to win Sorry, uh, a 14-6 to win So essentially he's now Got to look for 15 points So we played our, played our deployment out um, We moved tables randomly So I didn't have to play table 1 again So we were on uh, hold the centre Within circle And then Ed pushed me into being The, the big middle, which I believe Is the defender um, So that he gets the flank yeah. I can't think of a better deployment mission if i can protect one flank than that setup for my list hold the center stick everything in the middle of the board point my units all directions sit there with a regen bubble and i just have to sit on it to win the game love it having the big deployment zone in the middle we dropped and i dropped a unit Bats. he dropped a thing i dropped i was already like getting my mind games in early you know essentially i told him if i can complete a a ten-inch charge and a charge off a hill. Oh, no, I already had charge. I think it was a ten-inch charge and roll for the first turn and win it. So I made sure that he had. I had get plus five to the first turn roll and then rolled you know a five or something myself. So it's like All right, great, take that one off. So I'm now looking for a ten-inch charge. So I move forward with my battle line. Uh, I'm within six inches of the middle of the board. Doesn't apply for the first turn, but I now know I don't have to move again. And one of my blocks is contesting. Ed's list was really interesting, had a big idol, had a big wyvern, had a big spider, big block of ferals, a couple of units of cavalry, two big blocks of squigs, and some manglers, or wrecking teams, sorry. He split his deployment. He had a, a big big side on, on my wide right. I was essentially very mirror image, so everything set down the middle, bats behind my list, because they don't do anything until he gets close. And the idea was I was going to sit in the middle of the board with two units, majority of on a hill, so that if... He pushed up to contest. I would have downhill charges off a hill for the reroll into his units. I'd still be sat on the objective and the corpse cart unit, though, sort of cadaver wagon zombie unit, would be able to walk up to the top of the hill and keep the buffs. So I'd kind of done the measuring and l- laid it out. and I was quite happy. We then talked about it. I talked about it there as to what he was thinking with his deployment, how it was going. Because obviously we're both going to the ETC. So while we were there, we were talking through, all of the actions and, and things in the game. So deployment took a little bit of time to make sure that we made the right decision, or that Ed made the right decision with his list. And then we started the game. I had to bait out the wrecking teams and find a way of killing them off without losing any of my units. And Ed kept setting me up 10-inch long-range charges, you know, eagerly uh, trying to sneak me from breaking up my, my blocks and, and coming out to complete the bingo board. Early game. I took that risk, uh, failed it, rolled like a double one, so stayed inside the bubble. That was quite handy. Um, And then in response, he took the long-range charge, fell right in front of my unit, which meant the following turn I could remove the wrecking teams, and I was quite happy. And uh, essentially, he, he didn't want to commit too early to the middle of the board, so started working his way down one flank and edging the idol in front of the ferals, like being flanked either side with his big feral block and a big squid block. So essentially baiting me to to go in on the basis that the idol holds or you know dies and locks me in place, and then he counters me with two hordes of absolute death, and, and I lose the block, which is which is not a good trade, because that's the game if, if I lose the, the big ghoul block there. So he was doing the right things. He was leaving the charge at a long enough distance. But I had to bear in mind that with his war, he makes that distance a lot smaller in his turns. And I think one of the turns he left the idol just a little bit too tempting, and I, it, I was in a position where there was a big gamble. If I if I made the charge, killed the idol, I could overrun between the two blocks and get out of their arc potentially to catch uh, something in his secondary with the, with a right overrun. I think it was like an eight or nine on the dice overrun. So a real big reward if i pull the 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 move off took charge got my reroll got in spent the whole magic phase buffing that unit so that it could go through the idol which i don't think ed was expecting at least not without a good trade and then i poisoned the crap out of it and smashed it up um got my overrun got into the unit in the units behind so now had a hole in his battle line pretty much made him commit to going for more points at this stage so in his his following turn, he had to push at me, uh, which he did. All this time, the Wyvern and the Spider uh, are working their way around my flank, and I'm worried a little bit about how much chaff I've got there to, to slow it down. So I'm sacrificing bats left, right, and center just to, to keep him at arm's reach. So he, he does the commits that he had to make. I think one of his squig blocks bounces off my ghoul Star. Uh, the regen just worked for a turn. It was Absolutely awesome on the regen, and that meant that I had enough ghouls coming back to, to mince the, the squigs. So they broke, so I got to reform and, and wait for the ferals, but a very long charge still. The block that got through his lines, um, he failed a frenzy test with some more boars, which meant they had to charge me, which meant I had more combat res to beat the unit that had originally charged on the overrun. So I kind of took all of his fast threats that would have been at contest in the middle of the board. We're looking at turn four here, top of turn four and then at that point we again just let's stop let's think about this what is the most appropriate thing to do and the most appropriate thing for him to do was just to back off and concede conserve the points he had rather than feed me more units because the battle line was in a position where I was in the middle of the board I was still fairly safe I had you know a full siphon of the veil count the veil tokens I had all of the blocks in really good shape um, and I had one behind his lines, so if he pushes out to the middle, I'm going to have front, back, and sides, and, and just mince whatever's there. So he just baited me with a few ten-inch charges to complete the board, which um, which was quite sneaky. <laughs> uh, but uh, for for once in the tournament, I uh, I did the sensible thing of not pushing my toys as far as I could. I think in my last turn, I declared one of them and, and failed it, but uh, that was kind of what we were looking at is we discussed the point of at this stage, he's got a choice, throw everything in and hope for the best, potentially go down 20 or conserve the the uh, six points um, that he had at this time. Um, and, you know, that could see him in, in well for podium him. And, yeah, I claimed the mission, which was hold the center, and I was sat on it for the whole game. So I ended up winning that one, I think, 17-3. I think I got something like 1,800 uh, points from his list. Gave away 315, so lost all the bats. But essentially, the list did what it's supposed to do. It uh, it made my opponent stretch when they, you know, left me a gap. It came out and, and punished the gap. I got a bit fortunate that I connected the overrun. I think if I'd rolled like a three or a four for my overrun, I'd lose the unit, uh, and that unit had my BSB in it, so that wouldn't have been ideal, and um, would have probably swung the game back to an eleven nine or something. But uh, I was quite happy that if I killed the idol you know, if I only got a three or four on the overrun, it's not the end of the world, but if uh, five or six was safe and eight was into his second line and killing another unit, so risk-reward. Took yeah, a good gamble. So, yeah, uh, so finished with the 17, putting me on 57 of 60, and uh, a really smug look on my face, Is that means I'm now 2-0 <laughs> against Ed as well. So, yeah, I... Uh, oh, yeah, I'm loving it. I was uh, got, got to sit and watch you guys finish your games, so... So obviously that's uh,
1: <laughs> that was the highlight of the uh, tournament yeah. to watch us play.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck Yeah, we we had a really good game. We talked through what the right decision should be and we weighed up the risk uh, involved in each of the moves um on both sides so like in my turn i talked through what I'm thinking and why I'm doing what I'm doing and on Ed's side it's like what do we how do we react to this now now that we know you know, I've completed this charge, killed the idol, got through to the second lines. Your choices are turn around, deal with it, and risk me coming out off the middle to get you, or leaving that unit, buggering off and preserving points. So we had a really good, not necessarily coaching game, but a really good game about talking through all of the situations um, as openly as we could, being teammates of the summer. And, uh, yeah, I think, again, if, if we play that game again, short of me completing you know a long charge uh against the odds then i think his list should take me apart but uh, you know he he was playing quite a fun list as well so he had the web launcher wizard thing on a spider, which was just which horrendously uh funny uh i couldn't afford for him to put random move on my on my units so he basically got whatever other spells he wanted for a turn because there's no way like my units would essentially just bounce off each other because they're only an inch and a millimeter apart. Anyway, it's just unit facing would change. And I didn't want that. So, uh, I had to stop that spell return, which meant he could do what he wanted with the rest. But thankfully he was just a little bit too far away to be able to commit comfortably. So he had an aggressive list, but it wasn't close enough to, to really do what it does because the risk was where I pushed in my first turn and, and just had to sit in the middle. I didn't have to come out. So, um, you know, I, I could afford to take my chances more sparingly than his list needed to in order to in order for him to get points out of my list. He has to be a lot more not necessarily fortunate, but he has to combine a lot more to get points out of me than I do just having to do defending myself. So a tough matchup for Ed, but I think if we replay it, he should win that. Interesting. Cool. Also cool. VCable. Well,
0: this is a vicious rumour <laughs> that's circulating just now. <laughs>
2: For a defensive, I'm not going to fight you, I beat up three people. Um, I think VC are very strong. Yeah. Sorry, Paul.
1: I was just going to ask, was this the first tournament you'd played that list? Had you played the list much beforehand?
2: I had played, I think I played four practice games with it beforehand, maybe five practice games in total. Not necessarily at another tournament, but at a little like gaming practice day yeah. down in London. So not a tournament per se, but I'd learned very quickly that I can't just sit there and do nothing. And I'd learned that if I push too early that's bad um and I've also learned that kind of if I push and leave a gap, that's horrendous, so it was kind of all push together or all sit and do nothing together yeah. so i'm I'm still ironing it out. It's certainly not the play style I'm used to or that I enjoy, but it's uh it's quite rewarding if you make the right decisions, then this behaves for you. There's no panic test to screw your lines up there's no you know oh if you kill this one little unit, it could block everything else because i I just don't have those things so what i gain in that i lose in in other regards so since it's like playing a dwarf army without any guns you know your opponent has to commit to you for you to win big but if they commit to you and don't get all in at the same time or don't get a big magic phase to support the turn they charge you or any combination of something goes wrong it's vc you know if as long as you don't spam and lose massively in a combat you're going to be there again next turn and uh, they're going to be slightly dwindled in in numbers. So it grinds very, very well. And I think that the the list has a weakness, which I'll I'll tell everyone about after the (laughs) ETC.
1: That was going to be my next question.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so if everyone starts playing this as a meta, I'd love it because I know what it is. But, um, yeah, I I think the list, it, it does a lot. It rewards you for playing well and playing sensibly and taking the opportunities that are presented. And so long as you don't, you know, allow somebody to, to do the, the thing that cr- crushes the list, then uh, it's it's just very reliable and effective. So, I'm really happy with it. Cool.
0: Oh, awesome. Okay, Paul. Game 3? Talk us through game it. Game
1: 3? I was playing against the one and the only Martin, a.k.a. the Salt Miner. Oh! The elves. <laughs> Well,
0: this will be a fun game.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, actually... It was a really good game. I don't like playing against someone else, especially if I know they've got lots of really good shooting. And again, I was like, oh, I don't want this matchup. But it was actually really good. So it was Dawn Assault, Spoils of War. I really liked Martin's list. Like when we were doing the list reviews, I thought it was pretty cool. So he had like the three units of elite shooting, you had the thicket beasts, the two units of dryads, the two dryads ancient characters which were given them buffs. He's got the Kestrel Knights. So it's quite mixed, which I really liked. It had really good magic. It had the Druid Wizard Master with Shamanism as well. Yeah. So I had a lot of really good options for magic. So basically I did what I did my last two games. Basically I dropped for first turn and just pushed. It was Spoils of War. So basically what I did was I had the Chosen Knights in the center and I just marched them into the wood and just thought, I'll take the DTs, I'll pick up the token next turn, and I'll just make sure I compete for the secondary right away. On the left-hand side, I did the same with the Warriors, marched them up, Magical, moved them onto the token to do the same thing. And then, dogs, straight out middle, chaff them. You can charge them if you want. I'll counter-charge with Chosen, and then I'll get them into combat soon, and then if he starts bringing in the Dryads, that's fine. I think he kind of surprised me, though. I didn't think he would do that, because I thought, Martin's quite good. He's got a really good appreciation for the rules. He probably won't do that, so I'll need to you know, if he doesn't shoot the dogs and shoot something else, then I'll just charge the dogs and shoot some archers. That will clear the way and the Chosen can go in. But he did charge the dogs, which I was quite surprised, with one of the Dryad's units. Overran, and then I charged with the Chosen. And I want to say I did something like 22 wounds. I did, like, more wounds than he needed to, to actually kill the unit. Jesus. And just wiped them out. And I think he was kind of surprised that happened. I was surprised he did so many wounds, but I was like, I'm going to win that combat. 'Cause I'm striking first and you're you know, it's AP three, you're not gonna get any armor save, etc. So it took those points, so I was quite happy with that. And then I think on the on the right hand side he had his kestrels and just knowing they're so fast, I basically held back the chariots on that side. So just giving them long charges on things, and then giving me the counter charge with the chariots. I think turn two I declared a charge with one of the chariots onto the Kestrels and he fled, so I was quite happy with that because that basically pushed them out of the way for another turn. So I had to waste a turn bringing them back round to actually threaten my backline. My plan was really just to take the tokens where I could and then back off, because he can shoot me if he wants. He's not going to panic me. My anticipation was he'll shoot at the Chosen, because the Chosen are pushing up, and he has to deal with them. So he's not shooting at the things that have the tokens, which is giving him less turns to then get those points. So my plan was really just to take points where I could win the secondary, and go for a small win, basically. Meanwhile, the Wretched Ones were pushing up on the far left and they were going to sweep around the building and come into his back line and go for the archers. And the Felgic Elder was basically coming up the front. So basically just giving him multiple things to shoot at while competing for the secondary at the same time. Unfortunately for him, I think he tried to focus out the, the Elder with all of his shooting, with all the elite archers. Got him down to maybe one or two wounds, but couldn't kill him. So he got into the back line and started taking them out. the chosen unit that blitzed through the dry block basically got to the point where it was either charge the dryad block, which had two characters in it, or let him charge me. So I thought, right, I'll just need to charge him. Um, I hope for the best. His characters are still agility six, I think, base, or if they charge me, they're agility six. So it was like, I need to go first. I can put some attacks into them, hopefully kill them, and then that makes the unit easier to deal with. I think I needed a a five on the dice, filled it. Uh, So he charged me which wasn't good. So he was going first with the characters. They were getting a magic phase off with buffs, which made all the difference. So they effectively won the combat, overran, took that unit out, which wasn't good. Fortunately, though, because the Elder were still alive, basically it allowed me to charge him in the flank with the Elder, kill one of the Dryad Ancients, and then I think with the Thunder Stomp killed another like five Dryads, so actually pinned them there for a while. The Warrior unit had been moving up and I think got out manoeuvred. So if I hadn't done that with the Elder, they were basically going to get flank charged by that unit now that they had chased down the Chosen, which would have given him another token as well. So We were talking about that for quite a bit actually, whether or not to put the Elder in, and I think he thought it was too risky because he was only maybe on one wound by this point, and it just seemed like well, I'd rather lose him now and save the points and the secondary, which was turned out to be the right thing. So that was quite good. The Chosen Knights, which had picked up the, the token in the center, when they picked it up, basically, at that point in the game, pushing them forward, I think, was going to leave them too isolated. And I thought, I'll let him push for the secondary now that I'm controlling the game. So I basically just turned them round and marched them back into my own deployment zone, uh, or moved them back into my own deployment zone, which meant that he had to come with me, to me with the Thicket Beasts. Unfortunately, when the Kestrel Knights rallied, they subsequently made like a 10 or an 11-inch charge into one of the chariots, which positioned them in the, on a hill with my deployment, so they were in a, they were going to oh get a no. charge. Yeah, just stupidly fast. So I had to turn the knights round. I chaffed up the thicket beasts so that he could charge them with the Kestrels. I was going to effectively fight each unit individually. He wasn't going to get both into the knights at the same time. So when the Kestrels went in, they did okay. I think they won combat, but I held because cold-blooded is awesome, and then second round I killed him, just outgrounded him, which was good in a way, because it's a chunk of points for me, I still held the secondary, but it made the chosen knights a lot easier to deal with, so by the time the thicket beasts with the thicket shepherd got into them, there was only maybe two knights left, so by that point in the game, I think it was maybe turn five, he eventually killed them picked up the token. So now he was contesting the secondary because he didn't have anything fast enough or anything that was scoring to pick up the other token on the other side of the table. So I had a token on the warriors and he had now one on the Thicker beasts. And then beyond that, it was just the the wretched ones just kind of threatening his flank. And I think they took the, the druid, which he had taken out the unit. My wizard had killed one of the elite units that he was hanging out in uh, with Hellfire. And then he went and hid behind the building so the wretched ones got him oh which was nice <laughs> yeah not a good way to go he had shamanism he had cast a shamanism spell with him as well and i was like this will be like when i can't wound him because i have to roll like a five or something <laughs> to <laughs> him. It's uh, a lot of but attacks. i did fortunately <laughs> yeah i know so yeah it ended up being really close and it was a really good game in the sense that we were talking a lot about a lot of decisions and whether or not we should declare charges and what we should do to try and win the game. So it was funny, like in hindsight, it wasn't, you know when you play Martin, he can be quite, you know, he's winding you up and all that kind of stuff. I
0: don't know what you're talking about. Martin's never like yeah. that.
1: <laughs> he wasn't like that when we were playing, which made me think, oh, he's actually having to think a little bit more, which is, <laughs> which was reassuring for me because I was like, I'm obviously doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite a bloody game. I think in the end he had one unit of archers left, he had the dryad block with one character in it, and he had the thicket shepherd with a couple of beasts. And I only had the wretched ones and the warriors left. I think his archers got the wizard on the disc uh, over a few rounds of shooting, which made the latter rounds quite difficult for me not having the magic. Yeah. So it meant that the combats that were left weren't great. So I just kind of had to hope that he kind of fluffed his rolls and that my armor could save me a little bit. But in the end, we no one won the secondary. And it ended up being a 10-10. I think wow. I had killed a couple of hundred more points than him, but it wasn't enough to make it an 11-9. So it was a 10-10 in the end. So I'm really happy because uh, three games and only one loss. I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And um, it ended up, I think I was on, was it 34 points? Is that yep. what we had? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I was pretty pleased. I mean, if there had been a second day. Well, oh, you know, pretty I'd pretty prime, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I you know it wasn't like looking like i was going to catch Tim or anyone but i could certainly start to think well if the next two games go well then i can maybe be within like you know top 3 top 4 or something like that if i get good results so yeah it was a good game i really enjoyed it can't always say that when i play martin <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's listening no, to this now right and he's gone ah oh, fuck
1: you paul
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally totally nailed the accent. <laughs> thanks Matt. <laughs> That wasn't racist
0: whatsoever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd get radio as has to cease after a legal lawsuit. <laughs> it was a good way to end the day. Cool. So what about your game three? Uh, my game three was against the wild card of the tournament, Fraz Campbell, who, yeah. first tournament, coming into game three, has won two games, which no one has a right to do in the first tournament. <laughs> so uh, Fraz plays dwarves. Um, So you're obviously ecstatic about that match-up. Loving this shit. Loving this shit. (laughs) The the positive thing, though, is that Fraz is a really cool guy, and uh, we've had a lot of fun when we play. But I would be lying if I didn't say that I'm looking at this game and I'm thinking, right, this is my opportunity to get points back after that mistake last game. And this really fucks me, actually. Because I was looking at this game thinking, right, I'm going to... Okay, I'm gonna get up there and i'm gonna get points. This is what's happening um so the deployment was i'm pretty sure the deployment was just front line and um the secondary was supposed war, which isn't good the 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 only good thing is is that Fraz's army isn't amazing at scoring either. It's certainly better at because he's more combat oriented but um it's not ideal for him either we We throw a couple of shit bits about I've got two scoring units out on one side against his zero. Uh, so I think, right, I'll go up and get that objective later on. But he put a Vengeance Seeker there, and those guys are little shitbags. <laughs> um, there's a token in the middle, um, and he kind of goes on the opposite kind of side from me. And he drops quite early for first turn, which I'm okay with. So I deploy essentially opposite him. And on, on this side of the board, there's a building, which creates like an alleyway right at the board edge. There's a big hill in the middle. So it's essentially there's a there's a gap between the building and the hill and a gap between the uh, edge of the board and the building. So he deploys with uh, his Kingsguard unit and his Seekers looking at this gap um, supported by a by an attack copter. And then in the, the gap between the building and the hill he's got his two units of uh, shooting clansmen. And he's got his spear block behind them with his Deep Watch unit with his characters in it. So in my head I'm thinking, fuck the gun line. My Imperial Guard unit should kill any of his units in combat. So I'm going to push my Imperial Guard unit up and I'm just going to... As long as I can fight them one at a time. I I shouldn't get stuck on any unit more than a couple turns. And because of the way the terrain is, I should be protected from flanks and things like that. So it should be okay. So I deploy in such a way that first turn I can maximise my shooting, but I can get the Imperial Guard up there. Up up that alleyway between the building and the edge of the board. So turn one goes. Fraz's shooting's pretty good. He takes, you know, a fair few of my light infantry just because, you know, it's he's hitting on fours or five, so and then he's wounded on threes, so he takes a few of them out. My turn, I push the Imperial Guard up. My shooting isn't very good, don't do a lot of damage. Um, I hit with a cannon on his catapult, roll a one to wound, fucking cannon. <laughs> um, the rockets hit once on the catapult and do. They get him down to one wound, and I can't finish that last wound. Off, so his catapult's going to be firing again next turn. The Chicken Lord is sitting behind the Imperial Guard, so he can't charge me. He can't see me with his war machines. But next turn, essentially, the Chicken Lord can either fly over and then threaten his back line, or he can choose a small unit and basically bully it. So it's going okay. I've kind of accepted that I might lose Light Infantry. Unlikely that he's going to get the war machines, just unless the Light Infantry crumple. Um, he won't be able to see them with the, the, sh- the shooters. And he's unlikely to be able to get in that side of the field to threaten them in combat. So Fraz moves up, he takes central objective with the spear dwarf block, and he's got a real problem on this the Imperial Guard side now because his Kingsguard will you know do a few wounds to me because we're hitting at the same time, but he's only got twenty Kingsguard. It might actually be only been fifteen, I wreck that unit, just with the amount of attacks I'm throwing out. So he's got an issue, he kinda of backs up a wee bit, so he sets up that if I hit the Kingsguard unit the, the seekers would come in to the flank. It goes to yep. my turn. I just move up again. So now I've really set up charges. So now the the chicken can see the steam copters and you can see war machines. Uh, so he's really set up now for next turn. And the Imperial Guard are sitting there basically forcing him. If he wants to fight me, he needs to charge, but he can only really fit one unit in. So it goes back to Fraz. Um, and he's, he's kind of stuck again so he backs up a, a little bit. My turn. I declare a charge against the uh, Kingsguard. He thinks about it. Uh, and then he flees. Which I think was the right decision. Because if he doesn't flee, I hit them, I kill them, I reform, and then he has to fight me anyway. With the, the Slayer block. So he flees. The leadership 9. Or 10. Or some stupid fucking dwarf. Um, so they're probably going to come back. So he flees. The Imperial Guard redirect into the Slayer block, which is an automatic charge. And this is something to note for later on. It's an automatic charge, so there's no way I could fail it. Um, so it goes in. That's fine. The Chicken Lord because uh, charge gets the steam copter because the way he dangled it I could clip him, kill the steam mm-hmm. copter and then be in the back line. Uh, he flees with the steam copter, which again was the right decision. Triggerlord redirects into the flame cannon which is there. So it's a 7 on the dice with swift stride. I fail. I don't fail far he enough depends. to go over the, um, the imperial guard block so I just bounce off the imperial guard. So it's annoying but I'm like, it's okay. This, the flame cannon really won't hurt him because he's got the two up against it. Um, yeah. So next turn, next turn, he's going to get in. Uh, the Slayer combat against the Imperial Guard, I eradicate the Slayers in one turn, just absolutely blow them apart. He does quite a lot of damage back to me with paired weapons though. And then my Prelate is in a challenge with his champion, the Slayer champion first, I kill him. So next turn, the only thing that's stopping the Imperial Guard block is this Dragon Seeker that was in the unit, but I'm going to yeah. lock it soon at him and I should kill him. So, Frazy's turn. The spear blocks start moving round to go towards the objective that I thought I had in the bag. Start pushing up there, so that's now a problem. And his deep watch have turned round and have started coming towards the Imperial Guard. He rolls to um, rally the Kingsguard. They fail. They run off the board. Fuck you, dwarves. (laughs) The gyrocopter rallies though, So he turns round. And then my prelate continues to do fuck all against (laughs) the Dragon Seeker. Despite having all his stats and divine attacks, so I do fuck all. He does a wound to me, because I'm I'm, I'm failing my armor saves on one. I rolled I rolled two ones, actually. He did two wounds to me, so I won one wound with a prelate. Love and life. (laughs) Um, So that's not great, but I'm thinking, okay, this is the turn. This is the turn that I push. Chicken, need a seven, swift stride. I rolled triple ones. Son of a bitch! (laughs) So again, I don't even fail far enough to get over the Imperial Guard, so he's stuck there again. And then the (laughs) fucking Slayer combat, I fail to kill him again. He doesn't do any wounds to me, which is nice, but he's still there, he's still stuck. So it means that on his turn, so he moves up the Deep Watch again, back to my turn. Um, I finally kill him, I can't do anything. I just have to face this Deep Watch unit, and his turn, the Deep Watch go in. And they beat the shit out of the Imperial Guard because they took such a heavy beating from the Slayers. And I wasn't able to get away. Um, actually, before this, I failed another charge, I forgot. Um, so, <laughs> because the chicken keeps fucking failing against the Flame Cannon, there was an opportunity for me to, uh, once I'd killed the, the Dragon Seekers, to charge the Flame Cannon and get out of the Ark of the Deep Watch. Basically save those points. But I failed that because I needed something like a four. You know, fuck, fuck me, yeah. right? Bang. Yeah. Not getting that. So, the Deep Watcher now and the Imperial Guard—that's not great. Just as an aside to this, just yep. to kind of sum up Andrew's mood at this at this stage, I—we were
1: playing on uh, tables right next to one another. Oh, so bad. I don't know if you remember this, but I turned to you and said, "I just feel a fucking like five-inch charge with the chosen," and you—you were like, "Don't talk to me about changes <laughs> <laughs> Honestly.
0: And I was like, oh. "Oh, it's not going very well on that on that table." I oh, yeah. see when I rolled that triple one, there was red in the room. <laughs> it was yeah. just oh. The tilt meter had gone to. A oh, I, I was so not Mr. McGabby right now. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: was that was Hendricks pre-game battle tap talk, when it? He came over and just get, snuck some of his dice into your dice oh ball. Oh my god, it,
0: unicorns <laughs> as well. The unicorns aren't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is not good. So this has turned from a position where I thought I could really push and get a lot of points to. Um, cool. Yeah, I'm I'm now looking at the Imperial Guard going. Which is the one unit I cannot afford to go. Because uh, he's just going to outgrind me. I've not got enough bodies to, to hit back. So the chicken lord doesn't charge. Because he's a fucking idiot. He, so he flies uh, forward to make sure he doesn't charge next time. <laughs> he doesn't feel <fail> that <laughs> Um And the rest of the game is essentially the imperial guard and the deep watch locked. Um He finally kills the imperial guard. The unit breaks. He thankfully doesn't catch me. So the rest of my turn I throw anything and everything in front of the deep watch to protect my characters. Uh, so he gets another couple hundred points just from stuff that I throw in front of them. Yeah. The chicken lord kills the flame cannon. The artillery killed the, the catapult finally. And the the chicken lord goes in a unit of the crossbows and wails on them. But he doesn't, doesn't break them. And then on the other side, I killed the vengeance seeker, which I don't think I actually should have done with the halberds. I think he probably should have beaten me. But then the spear dwarves come over and boss me off the objective, so he's got two. Um, he actually has three because the Imperial Guard had one and he kills them. So The game finishes at 11.9 to me on points, but he obviously gets the secondary, so it's a 12.8 to Fraser. Wow, so you actually still managed to win the points. Yeah, I had to fucking work hard for it though. <laughs> that was not easy. The Imperial Guard, that's a chunk. Yeah, it was basically that. that I just wasn't getting those little bits uh, you know, dice luck when you needed it. I don't think I played particularly well either. Me being the big uh, I have got the big fuck off unit. You can't touch me. That was not the right play. I should have stuck to the game plan and just gone for a small win, but a win nonetheless. So live and learn. Fraz is great fun to play against, though. Like, was, How were was, his
1: uh, shield wall saves. Oh,
0: they were they were pretty good. Like, yeah. he, was, he was making all these fucking saves and he just smiling at me, winking.
1: He's <laughs> got a reputation for this now. Yeah, it's like Nick in declaring long long charges and getting them.
0: Yeah, but like, it was it was a good game. I just. I did for about 20 seconds. I just saw red because mm-hmm. nothing was working. Like, my shooting wasn't good. I wasn't making charges. I was failing leadership tests. Like, a couple of the light infantry ran off the board. And it was just, ah, uh, nothing was going right. And it just felt like one of those games where nothing you're doing is working. Yeah. Um, and when you're looking at your final game at a tournament and trying to harvest points, that's not what you want, ideally. But, you know, these things happen. Frazz is great fun to play against. And we were laughing at, at it by the end of it. I wasn't laughing in about those 20 seconds when I was feeling those charges. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's just the way it goes. Uh, Fraz played well. He played tight. I don't think he really made many mistakes. He just he did what he needed to do, and he capitalised on me not getting those bits of luck, which is absolutely what you need to do in a tournament game. And, you know, Fraz finished the day with three wins out of three. His first tournament, which is absolutely bananas. I so really Well, well done.
1: Well done. You lucky dwarf playing bastards.
0: I know, right? Well, he plays dwarfs, so it's like maybe you know, <laughs> handicap there, <laughs>
1: uh, you know, whatever. No, like so, it yeah. was uh, really good for Fraz. Like it was, just, he had to like shoot off for work uh, the next day, so he never actually got to kind of enjoy
0: his victories <laughs> at dinner. Yeah, so that was it. Uh, end of game three. So, um, so, will we run through the the leaderboard? Yeah.
1: So, from what end? Let's start at the bottom. We'll work our way up. Right. Let's give Henrik his due. Right, let's do this. So oh. Henrik was last, unfortunately. God bless you, Henrik. Um, bless you. He won the wooden spoon. He claimed a mighty seven points. Above Henrik was Brian with his KOE on 11. Just above Brian was Nick. He had 18 points. Did you speak to Nick much
0: during the tournament? I don't think uh, I had the opportunity to I do. I I think it was between game two. His first game didn't go well against Pat Reid. Yeah, he just... He was smiling, but I don't think it was going well. (laughs) Okay, so that's definitely a prediction we got wrong,
1: because we thought Nick might have the edge in that game.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, That was our fault then. We obviously jinxed him. Sorry, Nick. Sorry, Nick. Above Nick was Andrew with Dwarves. Uh, He had 23 points. Uh, And then we had Matt Wilson with Infernal Dwarves uh, on 27. Surprised Matt didn't come a bit higher. As we said, we were kind of surprised Simon got the win game on. I don't know what his what the rest of his
0: matchups were. He played Danny last game, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. I know that he's, yeah, I d- his general died pretty early, both game one and two, so that's never ideal. <laughs> no, that's not good. And 13th place was James
1: with the Overcans, 27 points. And then above James was Simon with Sylvan Elves. He had 28 points. And then above Simon we had Tony with VC. Tony actually got two wins as well, so... Yep. Pretty good, Tony. Uh, 29 points. So pretty close. I mean, what's that? Between 11th place and like 16, 17. There's well, 16th place. There's no, not a ton of points there. No. Between three games, fairly tight. And then above Tony at number 10 was Guillermo, who had 31 points. And then tied with Guillermo was Monroe, who was also playing Vermin Swarm and Danny with these Orcs and Goblins, so they were all tied on 31. And then we had the Salt Miner himself, Martin, with 32 points, so he's Sylvan Elves. And then joint fifth was, yours truly, Mad Get Radio for the win, Andrew and Paul. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> that was totally orchestrated. Of that course, was totally what we course. wanted. Fourth place, just missing out on podium, was Ed's Orcs and Goblins, 35 points for Ed. Third place, Fraser, three wins. That's what that should be his name now. Fraser, three wins, <laughs> Campbell, <laughs> with thirty-eight points. Really good, really good, Fraser. Like I think it's fair to say we're surprised that he won three games. I think because, he was
0: surprised, to be
1: fair. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a new. He's kind of. I mean, he's been playing maybe a little bit longer than Brian. Yeah. Do you know? But like we said before, he's been running the same list, which is a hundred percent the right so he's thing. a yeah. lot really comfortable with it, which is really good. Yep. So, and then, just, well, I was going to say just missing out on the top spot, but it really wasn't. But, you know, <laughs> compared to everyone else, he did really well. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Reed's three wins with 47 points with his vampire coming in. And then, taking the tournament, King Beyond the Wall, Tim Botnik, three wins, 57 points.
0: Incredible.
1: So, two vampires in the top three, yep. followed by a dwarf player. I'm sure Martin will have a thing or two to say about that.
0: <laughs> Both the vampire players in the top three were the, the goal lists as well, just saying.
2: Yeah. Broken much? I, I, I'm i not denying any of this. We see are broken. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would put out that dwarves, they need a buff though. What kind of event the dwarves be stirred in? Come on, guys. Dwarf I, tried, I tried really hard to stop that to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that does balance
1: out somewhat with Henrik coming last. But as we said, that's really just dice.
2: Oh yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Next event, Henrik can play the VC Strigoy list. <laughs> then one will see some shit. <laughs> so what did we
1: think overall? Pretty surprised with the with the top three. I think we had said Tim was in for a really good shout. Yeah. Uh Matt Reed we had said we liked his list, so not too much of a surprise. Ed wasn't far away. Andrew, you were fifth. We had said we liked your list. You weren't far away either. But yeah, some definite surprises in there.
0: Certain results certainly didn't go the way we thought it would go. Yeah, I mean there was. What did we think? Yeah, sorry, go on. I mean, there's four points between us and joint fifth and uh, Frazer's in third. So it was it was super tight. Yeah. And then like the rest of the leaderboard is is pretty tight. It's really um, only Tim out front who's got the big lead. Yeah.
1: Pretty tight within our kind of jabroni group.
0: Jack group.
2: <laughs> what did we think of the event overall i love it uh the the venue the crowd the wildlings the you know the way that you guys put the event on the everything about this event is awesome the social off the tables the extra time within the rounds the venue being you know spacious and cool having that fire exit right next to the top tables is marvelous um <laughs> I, I love coming up to Sterling. It might be the furthest I have to travel for for gaming events, but you guys are certainly my favorite events to go to. Hell um, yeah. No, Make this money today. To, <laughs> no, none of this related to the actual games I play or the fact that I won. Like I could have, you know, I could have scored six points and finished below Henrik and still completely love the event. the The best thing that you guys seem to do is your trophies are fantastic. the The custom ones each time are awesome. The the prize support you guys pulled together for this event was just off the chain. It was amazing. The only thing I would say is that please never do a sword. The crown, when I brought my my, my bag up, I brought everything <laughs> up in my army. Pets. The crown did not fit. So please see you wore control. on the plane. Control, yo, I was wearing it everywhere. I had to wear it on the plane. Like, there was more <laughs> to put it down. So, you know, the people I sat next to, they asked, the stewardess asked, you know, I'm pushing I'm pushing ninth age in Scotland, mate. Everyone in Glasgow Airport. No,
1: no. Yeah. Did um, the stewardess bring you a colouring book?
2: No did not, no, no. Um what, what I did okay. get I, I, I did get a lot of funny looks going through the airport with it on though, so it might have been the swagger I had as well. Like was, <laughs> you on the wall. But uh You were just obviously you know. totally owning the look. People were like, I'm cool with this.
1: That's totally a thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to suggest you guys should get a particular trophy because it will jinx me from getting it. What yeah, we're going
1: to do now, good. we're just going to get a sword made, and it's just going to be the tough uh-huh. Ward. And it's, you just get it by default just so you have to take it on the plane. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. But, no, yeah, honestly, be- best, uh, best event I've been to for a long time, uh, since awesome. probably the last one that I came up to you guys, both at Tech and at, uh, at, at Siege, the, the team one yep. that I'm sure you've got get to in a minute but honestly guys can't can't fault anything the terrain is awesome the space is awesome the the relaxed atmosphere is awesome yeah the prizes the price support the the crowd and the mentality that the games are played at is fantastic so i really really enjoy coming to the event and uh you know glasgow is not that far so uh yeah count me oh. into the next one and we
1: did not pay him to say this not his money not anyway pay. wink wink nor did we let him win all games so that he would win and therefore plug the event. Wink, that wink. is not how we roll. <laughs> if Henrik had had the chance to table Tim, he would have taken it. <laughs> uh, no, seriously. Honestly, this no, event, awesome.
2: is. is I, I will be doing what I can to to bring some of the local guys up with me to the next one and, uh, and expand the numbers of the event so that the team guys don't have to play each other quite so often and get some more fresh yeah, blood in. But Anyone stumbling across this and listening in, it's well worth coming up to. It's a fantastic event.
1: Thanks, man. Andrew, did you have any thoughts about the event? Was there anything that we did differently, or you think we should change for next year?
2: dwarfs.
0: Band dwarfs. That's a given. I think. Basically, that's ban anyone that looks like they might beat me. That'll be fine. Um, <laughs> that person no has event. hands. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. can roll dice. <laughs> Aha! I won again. <laughs> no event. <Yeah. laughs> uh, no, it was it was great fun. You know, it was awesome getting you know Tim up and the Durham guys and the Iron. Boys over and obviously yeah. we were all there. It was, it was just super fun. Very cool, relaxed. Like no one was taking it super seriously. Everyone was joking around. There was good banner between rounds. Yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Uh, the only sad thing is, is that it's only one day. Like <laughs> you can't, yeah. you can't have the festival of gaming that, uh, you might want. But no, I thought it was fantastic. Gary did a, you know, an amazing job in the trophies once again. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to next year.
1: Cool. I think um, what makes it for someone organizing a tournament and for someone that's local to the club is, it, is when you get people coming from other clubs to yeah. come and play because it is that you know slightly different list that you're playing against, you know it's a new person, so you're partly because it's an event, but just because you know I think it's safe to say that everyone in the club's really nice. Like, everyone gets on really well, it's a really good atmosphere. so you're always making that effort when you're playing against someone new to have a good time. Yeah. So for me, that's certainly something that makes the event like, we get sick of the sight of each other. We don't want to be playing, you know, three games against the same fucking people. <laughs>
0: Nobody, Nobody wants to ever, play my list at the club anymore. I <laughs> want to, like, roll
1: up and, you know, pay a ticket to play, you know, three chumps that I see on a kind of weekly basis. So it's, it's always great getting people coming up from elsewhere. So if people are listening, you know, if you're looking for an event, I would really recommend that you come. If you can, obviously, you know, it's It's a bit of a distance, you know, it's hard to kind of guarantee that time, but if you're looking to come for an event and, you know, you've heard good things in the past, then I would really recommend that you come up, give it a go. We're all nice chaps. We're talking about making our events two days now, primarily to cater for people that are coming from far away so that you guys get your money's worth and... It's more of a weekend deal. Having the additional day on the Sunday this year was nice. I think yeah, it was a nice. good kind of compromise for the guys that do prefer the one days. But I think it feels to me that most people in the club that were hesitant about having a two-day event have came around to the idea of making it two days now. I think the majority of people would prefer it and because everyone does have such a good time and there's so much build-up to the event that one day doesn't really feel like it's enough. So I think that's something that obviously me and Andrew have talked about for siege and what we'll talk about now, but maybe in the future, I think that'll become the norm, just that all the events will be two days, unless it's you know silly things that we just do off the cuff. But I think siege and strife are two of the big kind of calendar events for us that I think it makes sense to make two days. Yeah. so that kind of leads us on nicely to talking about the next event. What's the next event? Which- Paul? next event is a little event that we like to call Shelf Siege. Oh, yeah. And this is, our, this is the return of the three-man team event that me and Andrew put on last year. And the big thing that kind of makes this stand out, apart from it being a three-man team, is that me and Andrew have put together custom scenarios. So all three, well, it will be all five. So the decision has been made to make it a two-day event this year. So we're really excited about that. So all five scenarios are completely custom nothing straight out of the book. The deployment style, the secondary, it's all been designed by me and Andrew, so they're all completely fair and above board. Of course.
2: Pick a corner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope, not that corner, that's my corner. <laughs> yeah.
2: All the
1: tables will have no interfering terrain <laughs> within the middle of the board. <laughs> no, but seriously, like, um me and Andrew do put a bit of effort into playtesting the, the scenarios, and last year we put them up early so people could practice well in advance, so... It's going to be a two-day event, I think. Am I right in saying it's the 17th and 18th or the 16th and 17th of November? Hopefully you guys listening to this this can tempt you to come up and give it a go. Everyone really liked the scenarios last year. Me and Andrew will have to come up with a couple more this year to kind of fill the second day, but
0: that'll be a good challenge for us to come up with something. Hopefully with the two-day, we'll get some other guys coming up. I know that the Irish GTC guys, uh, Barry and uh, James... Uh, yeah. Are talking about getting a team to come over from Ireland, which would be amazing. Um, I know that the Fantasy War Gaming guys are talking about coming up, so Paul and Tony, and I think uh, they'll try and wrap Mark or Matt in uh, coming up with them. The best thing about Siege, the best thing about all events, is that they're super, you know, relaxed and just good crack. Particularly the team tournament. I mean, Siege last year was just an absolute blast. It was just so much fun. Um, yeah. So there will be a lot of shit talking, um, a lot of <laughs> a lot of banter. So yeah, it'll be just really good fun. <laughs> And uh, if you really fancy it, but you, you don't think you'll be able to get a team together, feel free to sign up as a Merc. We've, I think we're already at 11 sign-ups, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And there's a couple of guys just signed up there. They're just Merking it. So feel free to do that, and we'll sort you into teams, and you'll get uh, two new buddies out of it. Yes. Always. So yeah, super looking forward to it. Um, we've already got some ideas for the, the Day 2 scenarios. Um, and like what we did last year, we'll release them far in advance so everyone can get practice and then play test yeah. them for us as well.
2: It's going to be laying down a challenge, isn't it, guys? Like, aren't we a team for this one? Or am I getting my wires crossed? No, no, no. Involved? So
0: this is the plan. So just now, like, obviously, Paul and I will need to wait and see what final numbers are like. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the plan is just now, super secret, only available to Madgit listeners, is that there will <laughs> be a team Madgit at the tournament. And it will consist of uh, Paul, myself, and Tim. So you know yeah. the, the ones to beat.
1: Well, Tim's the one to beat. I, I foresee he he does the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah,
0: and we. And are just there
1: about a the banner, place. really. Yeah, <laughs> we're just there to balance out so that you know we bring Tim down a little bit because yeah. there's no yeah. point in him winning everything when he comes up.
0: Let me do the matchups. I, I, did, I, did I match up horrendously I,
1: poorly.
2: <laughs> I, I do like the fact that like Andrew basically like invited me to join the team because then he knows he can't possibly play me at the event so... Oh, what a coincidence. Yeah,
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that. That's a good point. So, yeah, like, I think what we've said initially is we're aiming for 24. Yep. I'd love it if we got 30. 10 teams would be great. great. Uh, Not 10 teams. Yeah, 10 teams. So the awkward thing about it is you obviously have to have even team numbers, but because it's teams of 3, so, you know, you have to have a total number divisible by 6. If we get any number between 24 and 30 then me and Andrew can't play, or anything less than that, then we'll have to settle for 18. So, I mean, we've never had this situation before, but this sounds kind of weird, but I'd love to be in the position where we have to turn people away. This <laughs> was so like, no, we've, we've hit 30, we're too not qualified, now. sorry. Yeah, we have a waiting list now. <laughs> we always say that in the pack, like, oh, there'll be a waiting list. We never have a fucking waiting list. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, space really isn't an issue. No. Like, if, if we say to Steve at Common Ground, Steve, we need that many tables, we'll get them. So it would, like you say, it would be great if like, the Irish guys come up, some of the other podcaster guys come up, Durham guys I think will be coming back, the guys will be coming up from Aaron. There's 12 of us in our group just now that everyone will be there, I would think. So it should be doable. It'll be good. And just to guilt people into doing it, this isn't going to work because if they're not going to come for like the sweet swag and the banner, then this isn't going to make any difference. But, you know, you never know. I'm thinking about making this my last event that I run, so you know, if you want to show your support, you should come to the event. Because <laughs> we're lucky within the club. I mean, we've always kind of got new people coming in, so our club always feels like it's kind of growing, which is good. And I think the fact that it's a fairly young club, kind of, is the reason why the environment's so good. Like, no one's super gamey. Like, everyone just wants to learn and have a good time. No, no one takes it too seriously. It's a good group to come up and play. So if you are a gamey fuck and you want to win a tournament.
0: Come on up. That's a good, it's
1: a good tournament to go to.
0: <laughs> yeah, it'll be good fun. Yeah. So, very quickly, because I'm conscious that we've rambled on, a couple of our guys went to Midlands last weekend, including Tim. Yep. Yeah. Solid mid-table finishes for all, which was good. Importantly, mm-hmm. the first game was, um, uh, ETC practice draw, Scotland versus Wales. And, uh, I couldn't go because of girlfriend commitments. <laughs> um, so Martin took my place as the Empire player, and uh, the team scored 81 to Wales's 79.
2: Tim, is that right? That's correct, yeah.
0: Yep. So solid one for Scotland there, very tight. And Tim, you had a pretty good five games, didn't you?
2: I did, yeah. I, uh, you know, for an army that just packs Regen and sits there from across the board, not not being able to reach out. My event started with Infernal Dwarf Flaming Army. Uh, paired for, might I add. Uh, followed up with, followed up within round two, of refreshing infernal dwarf flaming army. Uh, that, was, that was awesome. That was a great one-two combination. And then I started day two with the all flaming high elf army. So the highborn elves. So you know that was that was a thing. And uh, you know the other list that I played just brought the single flaming banner with alchemy magic. So I was like, oh. Oh, good. A nice change Why of pace. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, you know, it was it was good. It was a good event. It was uh, well run well, again down in the Midlands of Slatch. It was nice to have almost all of the team there. But uh, no, it was a uh, fairly successful for Scotland to stress test the list with the way we needed to, yeah. and to uh, get everybody some more practice in ahead of a fortnight's time when we we travel the seas to represent.
0: Yeah, I'm under oath to mention that Martin got best US player. At, uh, bids, because he was playing the list that I wrote, cheat sheet that I wrote, and, uh, <laughs> and he, he got best, uh, EOS player out of the two EOS players that were at the event. <laughs> <laughs> massive congratulations to Martin. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, that was a, that was a big ask from Martin to basically go to a massive event and play a list that he had played before. Uh, so he did very well. Uh, It was a good opportunity for him to meet the guys as well. So uh, a successful Midlands Singles event. Looking forward to their team event at the end of the year. And then the final thing, just quickly to run through, is obviously uh, ETC. So um, Tim and I will be going alongside Ed and Martin with uh, Team Scotland. Uh, Like we mentioned in the last episode, I'm going to try my best to get bits and pieces of content put out. I've actually already lined up a couple of interviewee kind of things going on while we're there. Uh, So that'll be good fun. Uh, I am packing my mic and recording gear. So I'm gonna bug the shit out of Tim and Felix and Gareth and Deej and all, you know, the whole team. It's gonna fucking hate me by the <laughs> end of it. Um, and I've also got, I think, five hours on a plane with Martin. Ah, so, uh, dude, think of the content. I know, right? I may just like record Martin talking for five hours, and that's five episodes potentially. Yeah, man.
2: D- just don't tell him. Just keep it a secret.
0: So, Andrew, VC, they're broken. Let me tell you why. <laughs> Fast <laughs> forward five hours, and that's just the core. Actually... <laughs> Dude, that's uh,
1: that's prime opportunity to like record some segments for the Salt Miner. Oh, 100%. Bet that we want to start doing on the episodes, but we just let Martin ramble for 15 minutes. <laughs>
0: um, so, <laughs> particularly, um, if you if you want to listen to Martin bitch and moan, follow us on Twitter, because I'll, I'll be updating that as, as often as I can, uh, and that's at Scottish Wildlands, uh, or at Scottish uh, Ninth Age on Twitter. If you've got any questions for the show, uh, we will be recording the Girlfriends episode uh, after I get back from ETC. Uh, I love how you
1: used girlfriend duties as an excuse. That totally continues to sell the,
0: exactly. the fact that we do
1: have partners. That was totally intentional. They are
0: real. Um, <laughs> I know that Jordan's considering pulling out just so this mythos fabricates and you know keeps on growing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she does exist, I promise. So we will be recording that when I get back from Zagreb. Uh, so if you've got any questions, that, we've got loads of questions already, but we'll, we'd love more. So uh, you can fire them to Twitter or the Facebook group or scottishwellings at com at uh, the email. Cool. So Massive thank you and congratulations to Tim for coming on the show again. Yeah, you well, welcome well done.
1: Boys, thank
0: you. Paul, any last words? Random movers cannot be moved with magical moves. There you go. We all learned something tonight.
1: That's, That's cool. ending on a bombshell. Read the rules, bitches. It makes a difference. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Noble, noble words.
1: Yeah. That's the biggest <laughs> takeaway I've
0: got from the tournament. Read the fucking rules. Read back. the rules. And this has been another earth-shattering episode of My get Radio. We will catch you on the next one. Take it easy, guys. Cheers, all.